Live from Chicago, it's Saturday morning. It's the Murph and Fred Show. Starring Mike Murphy, Fred Hubner, and featuring Eric Ostrowski. Now here's your host, Murph and Fred. <laughs> Good morning, everybody. Hope you're off to a great start of a three-day weekend. Fred, are you off to a great start on the three? We won't talk I'm about tired. the socks. Yeah, no, I'm tired of these people with a three-day weekend. I worked <laughs> yesterday, I'm working today, yeah. tomorrow, Monday. Yeah. So you want to talk sports, we'll be here for you all weekend. Yeah, days when off. you guys are off, we'll be here. Uh, days off are overrated. Well, they sure are. <laughs> Morning, everybody. Work a uh, couple hours, you get the rest of the day off. Well, speaking of hours, we have six hours of show to put into a three-hour bag. So let's get rolling. Phone number remains 332-3776, area code 312, of course. And if you want to vote right now, vote at ESPN 1000. Vote for what? Well, we got our Murph and Fred fan focus group Twitter polls. We'll roll through. Well, let's let's throw a couple of these out right now, Fred. Number one. Your Labor Day weekend backyard favorite. Hmm. Bratwurst, burgers, hot dogs, or steaks. All right. Okay. Bears fans, vote right now at ESPN 1000. The Bears, vic- multiple choice, and we only have room for four slots. Right. We've, we've explained that. Right. Bears fans, the Bears' victory total this season will be eight or fewer, nine, ten, 11 or more. Okay. All right. All right. Vote okay. right now. Bears I voted on that one already. Bears fans. You did? Yeah. I was my first one in. Bears fans. I heard I thought we had 2,200 votes already. That no? was the first one in. Oh, no, yeah. but then there's been 2,199 cents. That's right. Okay, I got uh-huh. it. Bears, Bears fans. Defensive end Leonard Floyd. Oh, yeah. I forgot about him. I, I forgot about most of their starters. I haven't seen him in a few weeks. Defensive end Leonard Floyd this year uh, will, uh, A, break out or B, bust out. Okay? Okay. Break out or bust break out. Break out or bust that out. That sounds like a bit. All right. I might steal that on Monday. Break well, we, out or bust out. Well, we had six hours to shove into a three-hour show, so we uh-huh. won't be able to steal our own <laughs> bit today. We're out of time. Yeah. Cup fans, vote right now. Who do the Cubs miss most? Or whom, if you are a stickler. Whom do the Cubs miss most? Rizzo, Zobrist, Wilson Contreras. Oh, I forgot about Willie. No, I really didn't. All right. Can you say the Zobrist of 2016? Well, just the Zobrist. Or the current Zobrist. Like the Kaplan. Yeah. The Zobrist. Uh Uh-huh. His good buddy Gordon Wittenmeyer wrote about him today. Yep. Yeah, okay. Uh, Cap's going, what's that? What's that? What's that? Uh, take that. Cap's read it already. He's sitting on his deck having his coffee. Gordy! He's been up since 447 this morning. Are you kidding me? Take this. Yeah. Is it take that or take this? Take that. But this would have been, Gordy, take this. Boom. No, it's always take that. I know, but maybe. maybe he I'll would never it. change. But I'm going to still take this. Yeah. Uh, and White Sox fans, uh, vote right now. The next time the White Sox reach the playoffs, what? will Ricky Renteria be the manager, yes or no? Very simple. He Very may be simple. kicked out. He may be kicked out. You don't know if he'll be there or not. He took the number eight for the team, uh, right, for uh-huh. the uh, strike zone. And, uh, hey, E11, number, number 11, which is, uh, you know, 
Your, your, your favorite number, of course. Yo, 11. Eric Ostrowski, uh, give us uh, number 11 there, the uh, bat flip bat. Uh, what do we have there? Tim Anderson has his, quote, bat flip. Right, right. And Nick Castellanos has his, quote, bat slam. Ooh. Which do you like more, the bat flip, mm-hmm. the bat slam, or do you hate them both? <laughs> okay. Speaking of, oh, here, here's what we're going to do today. All right. You ready, Freddie? Here's, here's our show. We're going to talk Nicholas Castellanos. We're going to talk bears. We're going to talk Nicholas Castellanos. We're going to talk socks. We're going to talk Nicholas Castellanos. We're going to talk Cubs. Did I say we're going to talk Nicholas Castellanos today? First inning, Happer, and the, the number the 11th leadoff man this year for Theo's uh, roster yep. uh, that Joe said, I got no leadoff man. He's got a bunch of them. What he's talking, what's he talking about? Happer drills a double. That means the number two hitter, Nicholas Castellanos, first inning. Early opportunity, Castellanos will step in. Kick high, swing hard. That's his philosophy, and it has really been fun to watch. Tenth homer in 27 games. Ah, but he's not done. Not enough. Nice courtesy got all the WGN television. Channel 9. If is you can re- only get 10 homers in 27 games, that's not nearly enough. Ah, that's just, that's small feet. That's chicken feet. Second inning. Oh, here he comes again. Nicholas Castellanos. Cubs are up at this time, uh, three to nothing. Happers on by a fielder's choice because of Quintana's first extra base hit in his career. But Nick, a rocket. Nick says, I, you know what? I don't, I don't like that bat flip. I'm going to slam the bat down. Castellanos with the two run homer with the Cubs the lead in the first. Man, he did it again. Oh, baby. Five to nothing. I don't know what I like better, the swing or the reaction. <laughs> the, the bat slam. Uh, highlights. That was pretty good. WGNTL. Yeah, I heard someone. Both hands and he slams it to the ground. Someone criticized his that call yesterday. I don't know where I talking to someone or they didn't like. They went, "Oh my, whatever." It no, was, I criticized his call the day before. Oh, you when, did, huh? Yeah, I, I criticized Jim Deshaies' call, and I love Jim Deshaies. Oh, he's the best. But there was a ball hit, and he just said, "Wow." Okay, maybe that, you know what I'm saying. That, that was you. me. It was me. But not this. And one. I love him, but he, wow. <laughs> Jim, you can do more better than that. Rodney Danger. Oh, you're a tough crowd. Out there. Oh, and I love him. I listen oh, to him no. all the time. I love Casper. I love I love Jim Deshays. Oh, Jim Deshays gives uh, of all of his references uh-huh. and uh, pop culture things. I get all of them. Yeah, I've seen all the same shows he saw. Mm-hmm. So, but I just thought he could go a little bit better with him. Wow. Three three two three seven seven six. Cub fans, who should be the Cubs' primary leadoff man the rest of the way? All right. Hayward, Rizzo, Castellanos, Castellanos, Zobrist. That's another Twitter poll vote right now. We got some good stuff here. So uh-huh. at ESPN 1000, I'd vote right now if I were you. While but, you're listening, just you can kill. You can still listen and vote at the same time. But you can't chew gum, also. 
You can. Oh, really? Yeah, as long as you're not on the air, you can chew gum. <laughs> Cub fans, who should be the Cubs' primary leadoff man the rest of the way? I got to tell you, if Hayward doesn't get the fewest number of votes, something's wrong. Because he was 0 for 12 in the Mets series with a walk and a run scored. And uh, Joe said, yeah, I need a day off. <laughs> yeah, do you think so? Did you see the Cubs? Still, they have the lowest on-base percentage. Yep. Of all 30 teams uh-huh. in the, the leadoff, leadoff slot. Yeah. It's pretty brutal. You know what? A lot of people mix up the word coincidence and irony. I know? do all the time. I use Ironic. I just alternate them. I look and see what I used last time, and I use the other one. Well, this would be ironic. Theo Epstein, right? One of the early, early godfathers of on-base percentage. All right? Right there with Billy Bean and Moneyball. Everybody knows. You know, all that jazz. All right? So here's the guy, Theo, that's, you know, the number one disciple of the Billy Bean School of On-Base Percentage, right? And what's he put together, a roster that gave the manager 11 options, of which they are last out of 30 teams. That would be 30th in uh, leadoff on-base percentage. Yeah, as of earlier in the week, they had a 284 on-base, the worst in baseball. I see, that would not be uh, coincidence. That would be irony. Okay. Worst in baseball. Amazing. Yep. And then, uh, so then this week, a lot of, this is before the two home runs yesterday. Well, move Castellanos to the leadoff slot. That was me. We talked about it last week with Jesse. You said We talked about it right here with Jesse last Saturday. I said move Castellanos, move uh, Bryant to two, Rizzo to three. So both his homers would have been his homer in the first. They would inning, have only won five to one. It would have been a solo shot. Yeah, they would have only won five to one. Okay. See, he's an RBI man. Who knew that Hap would be able to get on base? <laughs> he's an RBI machine. Yeah. Castellanos, RBI machine on his business card. You know why? Because he plays the game. He has fun. He's out there having fun. Every day is opening day. He checks in, gets his uniform on, goes out out there and plays the game. He doesn't worry about what he did the night before he's out there or what he's doing the next day. He's having fun. Wrigley Field, son. And he's all, well, he's having fun also because he knows when he hits the ball to right center, it's going to go into the stands instead of being going into the glove with all the balls he hit at Comerica Park. Why would anyone? He's had as many homers now as he had with the Tigers. Yeah, he had 11 in uh, yeah. like four months. Uh-huh. Kind of. Yeah, now in a 11 month. in four months. Now he's got the 11, 11 more. in a month. Yeah, exactly. And a, 11 in the month of August. Right. 20 ribeyes. With, here it is. He's hitting with the Cubs. One month. 27 games. Call it a month. 357 batting average. You're right. That's e- good. 11 homers. Yeah. One more than 10. 20 ribeyes, as Joe Madden calls RBIs, and nine doubles. I can do this one in my head. 11 Homer's in a month. They play six months. He's on a 66 home run pace. That's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's been amazing. The amazing pickup. You get a guy from a bad team, huh. probably the worst team in baseball, and you bring him into the Cubs battling for the playoffs. Everybody should play the way this guy's playing. Tip of the hat to Theo. Much maligned uh, on this uh, chair over time, but you got to tip your hat. A terrific pickup. Uh, you know, late uh, July, late in the, uh, you know, trading uh, deadline uh, era. Uh, it, it ranks right there, you know, with the uh, Rick Sutcliffe when Dallas Green brought him in, even though they had to trade future uh, stud Joe, Joe Carter. Carter. Yep. And uh, 03, 03 when uh, 
Let's see, that was Jim Henry picked up Aramis Ramirez and Kenny Lofton from the Indians uh, near the trading deadline for Bobby Hill. You got to think about it, though. Joe Carter couldn't have been happier he got traded. Won a couple of World Series, didn't he? Yeah, he'd have probably hit 100 more homers at Wrigley Field, though. But, but he's got a couple of rings. Let's go to, uh, oh, it was George in Old Town. Hello, George. Let's see. Do I have George punched up here? No, I didn't. What did they do here? Help me. Okay. Okay, put him on hold. We'll get uh, Mario next. George, is that you? Yes, this is me. Hey, hey George, Murph, and Fred, buddy. How you doing? I-, I love you guys. You should definitely be happy until Rizzo gets back. Let Rizzo last as long as he can. They're on a roll. Keep Castellanos in second uh, batting order. But, you know, the reason Cassianos is um, uh, lightning in a bottle is he's feeding off the audience. He has never seen a crowd like Wrigley. <laughs> and now the other guys who have been doing that for a while are finally getting back into the fold. It's very momentous. I love the Cubs. So let's do this, George. Hold that thought. Very good thought. Uh, let's extend this. Uh, existentially extend this down the line. He's a free agent. Will he still be pumped up? George, if you give him a three-year deal at Big Doe, if you're Theo Epstein, or the lightning in the bottle, and he'll come in the next three years and go, ho-hum, uh, where's my paycheck? Or is this the type of guy that continue to extend this if you keep him and, and give him Big Doe for two, three, four more years? I think he's the kind of guy that can extend it, but let's say the proof is in the pudding. we got to go all the way so you guys can have a heck of a time this year broadcasting and talking about the Cubs. Uh, I think they have it. I think the turning point was when he slammed that bat down because that was a classic. So, which do you enjoy more? The Tim Anderson bat flip? The Castellanos Nicholas to to you? uh, Bat uh, 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 slam? Uh, Fred, did did you vote hate them both? uh, No, no, no. I like the slam better. All right. You like the slam more there, uh, George? The slam was uh, was reminiscent of Michael Jordan doing the one at the All Star game uh, in a baseball setting. It <laughs> nice was phenomenal. Caller of the show, nice going, George. George, you're calling Thanks. the show. You know what that means? What? You get to go to Fred's house and eat everything in his refrigerator. You can come fix my air conditioner. How's that? <laughs> I'll come there anytime. Fred. You're the best, baby. See you, Thanks, George. George. I love your inspirational speeches, man. You are out of sight. Thank you. See you, George. Call again. Call again. You know, make sure Fred's here and call again. I'll be here the next two days. Make sure you call both of those days. I didn't even know you had a fan club, much less the president. Yeah. Has the private number. There we go. 332-3776. Cubs first baseman Anthony Rizzo, one of only four players in the majors who right now have hit at least 25 homers in six straight years of the last six years. Mike Trout. That's not bad company. No, he's pretty good, from what Edwin I hear. Encarnacion. Uh-huh. And the uh, under-the-radar Nelson Cruz, of uh, now of the Minnesota Twins. Well, the White Sox know who he is. He's always the guy circling the bases when he faces the White Sox. Got there. Cup fans, who, who do the Cubs miss most? Vote now. Rizzo, Zobrist, Contreras. 332-3776. We're going to talk today. Castellanos, Bears. Castellanos, Sox, Castellanos, Cubs. Did I say Nicholas Castellano? Let's go to uh, Mario on the northwest side. Mario. Fred Murph, always a pleasure to hear you guys, man. I love you guys together. Thank you. What's um, up, Mario? So here's here's what I'm thinking. Um, 
whoever's leading off, I mean, the person, the person you've got leading off should be the person who's hottest at the time. No one has had any success, you know, leading off, so why not just put the hottest bat? Uh, and I have a question for you guys. I know Castellanos hasn't been around the whole season, but could he be the MVP for the team? The team? Hey, Eric, can we add a Twitter poll question at this late time? We can add a Twitter poll question at any time, Mark. <laughs> Mario, can we add that as a Twitter poll question? Would Nicholas Castellanos, with one uh, with two months of the year at the end of the year, be able to be the Cubs MVP? How would you vote? It's your own question, Mario. I think you're going to vote yes. I would give it the seal of approval. Mario. <laughs> yeah, that sounds good. All right, Mario. Thanks, Mario. See you, buddy. All right. All right. Yeah, there's no doubt what he has done and uh, just the. Just the excitement he's brought to the team, and uh, obviously he's been able to hit the ball. They needed it. Uh, let's see how it all plays out. They're a game behind St. Louis. St. Louis got rained out last night. Uh, the Cardinals don't have a tough schedule coming up. They have back-to-back doubleheaders. Did you see that? Is that true? The, the Cardinals, How's that happen? Cardinals and the Reds play a double bubble today and tomorrow. And tomorrow. They got rained out last night. And so they got two on both of the days. That could be a good thing or a bad thing. You know what that does? It blows your pitching staff to pieces. Well, it's tough on your bullpen. Now, two things in there, luckily for them. Number one... They play the Reds. Well, the league... Well, that's number three. Yeah. The league, uh, as of the last year or two, when you have a doubleheader, you get to bring up an extra player. That's and right. you usually bring up an extra pitcher. And rosters expand tomorrow. That's true. Yeah. So you can bring up as next year. Oh, so, so so starting tomorrow, there'll be like eight and nine relievers going in games. So that's all going to be blown up next year. Yes. It's going to be a 26-man roster throughout the first five months, and then you can only add from the 26 two or three more. I've heard discrepancy reports, but point is right now, it's your starting. I don't care who you're bringing up on the 40-man tomorrow or who you're calling up for the extra for the two double bubbles. I'll tell you this. It blows your pitching staff apart. The guys you really need to use. Yeah. Not all the other fringe guys you're bringing up, you know. But now, who's going to start in the next next week? See, you're going to use your starting pitchers. you got to give them the normal four days rest or you blow their arm out. So this is like a bad deal for the Cardinals. But I'll tell you something else, Cub fans. There is trouble ahead. And if you look at the standings for not the National League Central, Fred. Uh-huh. But you look at the Dodgers, and you look at the Braves, and they've got, well, the Dodgers have an 18-game lead. Yeah, 19 and, and, now. And, and, the, thank you, and the Braves are like five and oh, a half, six, whatever, yeah. in the East. And uh, they're a juggernaut if you watch the Sox game, which I did, and Fred, you did. I mean, the Atlanta Braves are tough. And if you look at the wild card this morning, well, let's take a look. Cubs are now one uh, game back of the Idle Cardinals with the W. The wild card, Washington, and they just swept the Cubs last day. Look, they're two and a half in front of the double wild card. The Cubs are number two. If you start thinking about the last week or so of the season, maybe you'll see what I'm talking about. We'll get to that. Jesse, by the way, at 10. Cubs are three and a half up on the Philadelphia, by the way. Yeah. For that second wild card spot. Let's go to uh, Mike in uh, way up in Lindenhurst. Hello, Mike. What? Hello, Mike. Try Mike again. Hello there. It's, it's his new phone we got 20 years ago. It's throwing me off. I'm sorry. Mike. Up, Mike? Hello, Mike. <laughs> 
Murph, are you there? Well, I, yeah, I know you're worried about me because it sounds like I'm not, but you finally got me, Mike. <laughs> All right, sounds good. Hey, Murph, hey, Freddie. I uh, love the show. Quick question for you. Can you give me some stats in regards to Castiano when he played for Detroit? Is this like, is this he just on a lucky streak or... What has he been averaging in Detroit? Well, I'll tell you what. Fred's looking it up, but I've had him. Good question. Hang on, Mike. I've had him multiple years in my you know yearly fantasy baseball leagues and tried to get him every year. Yeah. He's an under-the-radar guy. He's consistent. He's an RBI guy. He's been playing with a crappy team, Mike. So, and, and as Fred mentioned, in a cavernous Grand Canyon-sized ballpark. Regardless, he's, you know, mark it down. He's a 22. This is off the top of my head, Fred. He's like a 22, a 75 uh, guy, homers, RBIs. He's always smashed the ball. He's a middle-of-the-lineup guy, but he's never been with a team that really was able to have men on base by one. What are his real numbers? Well, it's actually his uh, since uh, 2016 when he was 18 homers and 58 RBIs because he only played 110 games. 157 games in 17. He went um, 26 homers, 101 RBIs. He led the um, he led the league in triples with 10. That ballpark. Yeah, uh, 272, 324, 90. Last year he had 23 uh, homers, 89 RBIs. He had 298. With a 354 on base and a 500 slug, so he's always been a hitting machine, as Fred yeah, just he can pointed hit. out. How the uh, Cubs? Well, he was a free agent. Oh yeah, he's it's his walk year, as they like to say. In other words, the Tigers they got a uh, you know double A pitcher from the Cubs. It's probably got some prospect uh, future. So the Tigers probably shopped him. How many teams? really needed a right fielder or third baseman for two months. That's the first thing you have to look at that were in the running teams that are in the hunt. So there's probably only a few teams. Not to diminish what Theo did. They sent their scouts. They watched him. They knew him. So he's always been a guy that's a hitting machine and right now he's pumped up deluxe for all the reasons we've been mentioning. Sounds great. Thanks, Murph. Thanks, Mike. Thanks, Mike. See you, buddy. Lindenhurst. Yeah, he's only he's only 27. So yeah. his birthday's in March. So next year he'll be 28 to start the season. Mm-hmm. So I know Sylvie's already started the uh, Bring Nick Castellanos Back uh, fund. <laughs> well, I've they, seen it with a couple of dollars. They have no choice. They got nothing in the farm system. Yeah. And there's going to be about 20 teams knocking on the agent's door of Nicholas Castellanos. So you're going to have to pay. But you don't have anything coming. What's also nice is he can play. He was originally a third baseman. Excuse me, he's a butcher, but it's always, you know, you can plug him in in an extra inning game or move him around, to, you know, if you have to. So, uh, Jesse will join us at the top there. I want to get to some Bears talk between now and 10 when Jesse joins us. Sox fans, we didn't forget about you. Uh, oh, the great Ryan McGuffey, NBC Sports Chicago will join us. And uh, a busy, busy day. So, uh, McGuff was uh, he was getting on me for some of my tweets earlier this week, so because uh-huh. we'll, I was saying that uh, I've seen enough of Dylan Cease, it's got to be bad for his confidence getting uh, giving up ten runs mm-hmm. uh, or eight runs on ten hits over two plus innings. See, so we'll talk about it when Jesse joins us, Fred. I'll let the two of you gang up on old out of step Murph. I can't imagine anything I would least like to do than put Castellanos leading off as an RBI machine, but it's. It'll be two against one, so that'll be fun when Jesse joins us in about a half hour. I don't know if Jesse agrees with it. Chicago but... Heights, Jim is next. Hey, Jim. How you doing? Fine, Jim. You're on the air. Go ahead, buddy. Okay. I've got a. I've come up with my own statistic, whereas you take the 
runs that a player scores and his RBIs, and then you subtract the home runs because that's going to be, you know, an RBI is going to count as a home run just as much as a run is. So you'll eliminate that and then divide by the number of games All right. that they played. Yeah. And anything over one is Unbelievable. Hold that you know, thought. Hold that sure. thought. I like where you're going. And uh, you got a little bit of John DeWan in you there, the stat man. I like it, Jim. Just the other, just last week, I heard uh, uh, Joe Madden said, you know what? He says, nothing worse than a guy that's only got twice as many RBIs as home runs. Now, I looked at the Cubs, and none of them are really right there. But think about, instead of what you're saying, Jim, you got to have, you know, if you got 15 homers, you should have 45 RBIs, not 30 RBIs. In other words, half of the ribbies and runs are already from the home run. Is That's sort of what you're saying. Go ahead. And somebody like Trout, I believe, the last time I saw, he's doing very good. He's got <laughs> yeah, you think? A lot of, oh, yeah. All right, it's, if it's I were you, I'd, I'd get a, a, a patent attorney, a copyright guy, and I'd lock that thing up. I think we got the new hot stat, Jim's stat from Chicago Heights. Thanks, buddy. Thanks, Jim. We'll Appreciate see, it. Castellanos, like I said, 11 homers. He has just 20 RBIs, mm-hmm. and a lot of times that's because he's got nobody in front of him. Go then bat him lead off. He'll have fewer men. Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> uh, he, he's got... Um, it makes more sense than having Hayward bat there. Well, who's an automatic oh, out? Well, they have no leadoff. Exactly. Man. So, you, for what the hell? I you just move Castellanos there, and then if you're going to do that, you could actually bat your pitcher eighth, mm. and then have somebody else bat ninth. We only got till noon. I can't even. Uh, the num- batting the, you're uh, going to put Zobras there. Uh, he was hitting 189. That's what they're going to do. As soon as Zobras gets back, they're going to put him in the leadoff, and so, he's not going to be able to hit the ball. The paradox of all time. Theo Epstein, believer in on-base percentage, now has the worst leadoff on-base percentage in baseball. We're going to touch on some Bears talk when we return. And uh, then Jesse at the top of the hour, busy day. Murph and Fred, glad you're with us. Vote now at ESPN 1000. Busy day, glad you're with us, Sunny. Hope you're having a wonderful beginning to a hopefully wonderful three-day weekend, Labor Day weekend. Murph and Fred till noon. Jesse Rogers in about a half hour. He's already having his coffee. He said in order to talk to us on Saturdays, he needs to have a couple cups. <laughs> well, we I, I need two. I need one more than he has. Fred, did you realize this? We just went uh, 32 minutes. We never uh, mentioned uh, Victor Caratini. We'll do that with Jesse okay. at the top of the hour. Yep. Another nice trade by the often maligned uh, Theo Epstein. Uh, before we get to some Bears talk, Fred, I I found this nugget. This is a non-sport. Give, give us one minute there, would you, Eric? I got to talk to Fred. All right. Fred, you have something in common with 88-year-old Mrs. Donald Wetzel. Yeah, me and an old lady. W-E-T-Z-E-L. Mrs. Donald Wetzel. Oh, I just call her a mature woman. Well, you very have something in common with her. Okay. See, her husband. Uh-huh. Did you see this story? E-O-Levin, you ever used no. it? You've never used an ATM, have you? Oh, I've used ATMs many a times. 
You know, 10 years ago, was a, it was called the an ATM machine. Did you know that's, that's how we all used it? a little it? redundant. Well, right? yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. I'm here from the uh, Department of Redundancy Department. Uh, but that's how it was in the beginning. ATM machine. And No, you don't. Anyway, uh, Mr. Well, it's a little bit like NFL football. Very good. Yeah, which everybody still says. So There's only one NFL. <laughs> yeah. Is that what you say? Well, you don't need to say. No, there's football in there. Well, the National Football League football. Right. Yeah. Or back back before even um, uh, my grandfather was born, there was the uh, Brooklyn Dodgers, and then there was the New York uh, uh, Giants that uh, played baseball in New York. Now they're the San Francisco Giants. So they used to always have to say the uh, uh, New York football New York Giants, baseball Giants, right. and the New York football Giants. Yeah. Now you'll still hear some old timers. You ever hear this, Eric? You'll, oh you'll, yeah, it's like a cl- classic, like NFL, New York football Giants. Well, and some guys you'll still hear, like uh, yeah, you still na- hear it's national to all guys that are like mm-hmm. eighty years old. They go, "Oh, the New York football Giants playing the Green Bay Packers." Well, you they know wanna, what? They moved in fifty nine. Yeah, they want to make sure they want to make sure you're not mistaking them for the baseball team that was there <laughs> in the forties. So, Mr. Donald Wetzel, right? Uh, he's 90. Uh-huh. And uh, his lovely uh, wife, Mrs. Uh, Wetzel, who's, uh, you know, got something in common with you. He was robbing the cradle. Well, she's, she's two years younger. Right, right. Uh-huh. So, September 2nd, what's that? Monday? Uh, Tuesday. Uh, yeah, Monday. On September 2nd, it'll be the 50th anniversary that's September 2nd, 1969, of the very first ATM. Okay. Ever. 50th. Yes. Huh. And it was uh, at the Chemical Bank in Long Island. All right. Well, what happened was Donald Wetzel, who is now 90, and he'll be at, at the anniversary uh, party at the, the Chemical Bank in Long Island. Well, he, he was standing, and this would be like 67. He was standing in line. It's 5 o'clock. He's in a bank, and, and they're closing the doors, and he needs his money for the weekend. Sure. I know how that is. How is you going to go buy a beard out of the bar? <laughs> you don't have money, Eric. You don't have it. You don't carry money, so this sounds ridiculously foreign to you. I mean, I I used to get cash all the time, right. but now it's always like before we go anywhere, my wife's always like, "We should get cash." Yeah. And I do, what for? Yeah. Like, well, why do we need cash for? So, believe it or not, you used to have to stand in line at a bank. Yep. To get money. This is funny. The ATMs were down at Chase yesterday, and I complained to myself that I had to go inside to get cash. I was there like, you go. Oh. There so, you go. So poor, poor Donald Wetzel in 67, he couldn't get his cash for vacation. There's a long weekend coming, right? So he invented the ATM. And uh, standing in line, you know, there's no line. Who does that? No one even uses But Fred? Mr. Wetzel says that his wife, to this day, has never never used one. There you go. Just like you. Yeah, I have never used one in this country. <laughs> this this past week was the anniversary of the last time I used an ATM, uh-huh. and I was in Germany a year ago <laughs> this past week. So I still have not used one in this country. So it spits out uh, marks? Euros. Euros. Or euros, rather? Yeah. Spits yeah. out euros. Are they all different colors, like in Canada? Different sizes, different <laughs> colors. It's yeah. like Monopoly money. Uh-huh. Let's talk some bears. All right, EL11. Murph and Fed fan focus group Twitter poll. Let's see what the early results are. Bears fans, the Bears' victory total will be eight or fewer, nine, ten, 11 or more. I'm voting 11 or more. I voted 10. Fred's going 10. EO? 
All right, what am I voting or what are the yeah, results? Well, what are you I, voting? I'm sorry, yeah, I, what's your no, vote? Okay. I'm, I'm stuck. I'm, I'll go with 10. I'm in between 10 or 11. I think that's, that's really good. I, so we all believe that, we're, that the Bears are going over the Vegas odds then. Right. Just so Vegas you know, is they're, nine and a half, yes. right? Um, totals on Twitter, eight mm-hmm. or fewer is the, the least amount with 7%. Uh-huh. 12% said that nine, uh, nine games, hmm. 10 games was 41%, mm-hmm. and then in second, 11 or more is 39. So those two All are right. very close. All right. Uh, Bears fans have voted defensive end Leonard Floyd. Who? Fred just said I forgot about him. Yeah, I forgot about all these guys. <laughs> this, Mitch, Mitch who? This year, Leonard Floyd, A or B, did you vote he'll break out or he'll bust out? I got breakout. I got breakout also. I think this this guy, he's going to be huge. Uh, they got a double team. Other guys on the, on the big guy, you know, front three, front four. Uh, he's uh, outside linebacker, sort of on a four-man line, you know. What the fans say there, Eric? 80% of the fans voted that Leonard Floyd's this year will have a breakout season. There you go. Wow. See, everybody's excited about the Bears. Ryan uh, Pace talked about Leonard Floyd. Here's a short clip. Now, this was about a week or about two weeks ago, but they have the since, last time we saw him. But since he hasn't played, it right. we can use a, a thing from a couple. Of, okay, here's what the GM said about uh, Leonard Floyd. If I had to point to one player that really stood out in our offseason program was Leonard Floyd, and I think it's a combination of factors. I think Khalil Mack has really helped him. I think Ted Monacino, our new outside linebacker coach, is doing a great job, and I think Leonard's just maturing as a player as well. So. Um, if he when he gets rolling like we know he can, and now he has some counters in his pass rush, that's that's going to be dangerous. Well, you know he's got some counters now in the pass rush. That's going to do yeah. it. Let's go to the phones. It's uh, it's Bear fan Bob. Hello, Bob. Hey, good morning, guys, and uh, happy Labor Day to you and everybody out there. Thank you. Anyways, I got I got a lot for you, so let me throw throw a lot of stuff at you. With the loss of Vic Perry. And Mike Daniels, that's going to hurt the Packers on defense. You know, I don't see. Well, they got some some linebackers and free agency. That's going to help them. But otherwise, I don't see the Packers defense as really being anything special. They also lost Randall Cobb, which was another one of Aaron Rodgers Rodgers' blankets. You know, like his security blanket. Uh, I don't see the Packers having a great team this year. I really don't. I also see that the Bears are up ready for this one. I don't think that they're going to be embarrassed this year of the opener like they were last year. I think they're going to be up ready for it. I also see Leonard Floyd to have a breakout game. I also oh. see Cordell Patterson to uh, make a mark against the Packers. After all, he originally was from the Vikings. I think these these two guys are going to be standout players for this game. I look to see, you know, maybe the Bears 31 and the Packers 17, thereabouts. I think this is going to be probably one in the first half. Those are my thoughts, guys. Hey, Bob, let me ask you. You said the Bears were embarrassed uh, game one by the Packers. I I didn't really re- remember it being embarrassing. Sure, uh, Goofy 23 uh, uh, dropped the short game-winning interception, uh, Fuller, and, of course, the uh, yep. you know blown field goal. Uh, I, I thought they looked pretty good. I mean, we were all heartbroken. Fred, did you really see that as an embarrassing game? After or? having the lead that, like they had yeah. and then losing it, right. I kind of thought they a little yeah. bit, yeah. It's, yep. it's, it's Absolutely. And uh, what was your victory total here? If you, uh, I don't know if you had a chance to vote yet. Uh, how many victories for the beloved do you have, Bob? 
more than 11, and I'll tell you why. <laughs> yeah. As I really looked at the team and I looked at the roster this year the other day, I finally had a minute, this team is a complete team. Now that they have a kicker who can actually kick the ball through the goalpost for a change, you know, and I think uh, Porcello or whatever the gentleman's name is, if I pronounced it wrong, I'm sorry, I think he needs to practice. And the more he practices, the better he's going to get. I think the Bears got it right. I'm looking forward to seeing him do great things with the Chicago Bears. I really am. Eddie Pinero. Hey, appreciate it, Bob. Pinero. Thanks, Bob. Hey, it's Guys, to... have a good day you, now. You Thanks. too. Hey, wouldn't be the start of football season without a Bears fan, Bob. Hey, this is NFL Cutdown Day. A few of the Bears' names have already been uh, either officially released or unofficially released by different uh, beat reporters. So. Yeah, everything will be official today at three, but there's a bunch yeah. of names out there already. Well, good. We'll uh, touch back on touch back on that when we return. Uh, Jesse Rogers in a few minutes. We got oh, uh, the lineups are out too. Really? Yeah, there's some interesting moves in the uh, lineup. Okay, just don't say that uh, the J. Hay kid, not Willie Mays. The J.A. kids hopefully not leading off. We'll find that out and more when we return. Murph and Fred Del Noon, ESPN 1000. All right, glad you're with us. Nothing to delay about, Fred. Let's get right back to some Bears talk. Jesse with the Cubs at 10. Ryan McGuffey, White Sox, uh, 11 o'clock. Busy day. Let's bring in EO 11. Uh, Twitter poll question was, Bears fans, will uh, Eddie Pinheiro, Eddie Pinheiro, how are we going to pronounce that? I don't mean, I just, I, Eddie, different every time. Of course, he may Pinero. not even be here. I've heard, I've heard guys say Pinero instead of Pinheiro. He may so. not even be here. Well, there's no little tilde or whatever yeah. on it. So, Eddie Pinero, will he be the kicker all 16 games, yes or no? What could be a simpler question? Not will he succeed? Will he will he have a rough time? Uh, will he make the cut? Very simple. Will Eddie Pinero be the kicker all sixteen games? Uh, how'd you vote, Eric Ostrowski? I it's tough. I'm, I said no in my mind, but I really because okay. I don't know. I have no idea what what's right. going to happen. Didn't, you didn't vote at all. If I were to vote, I would have voted no. Okay. Yeah. You don't vote on this? I would have voted I, I no, too. I have the ESPN I, Twitter. Then I'd have to log off and log on to I, my Twitter. I feel and, hurt. I just don't, don't want to be logging in and logging out. Our executive producer doesn't vote. I write them. I, I type them up. That counts as something. I would have voted no. You write, get do you write them or do you type them? I type them. <laughs> <laughs> type but them you up. edit them. But you do edit them. And you do go. a great yeah. job. I'm voting yes. I think he's there all 16. I think right now they they got him. I think if he misses a couple, one of his own oh, guys yeah. takes him out. I don't think it. <laughs> Kyle Long swinging helmets. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. What what the fans say, Eric? Uh, this couldn't be more of a. Fi- it's fifty one percent said no, forty nine percent said okay, yes. Okay, I'm going home. I'm done. That's it. <laughs> yep. Nothing can be better. Uh huh. Oh, am I happy? The fifty fifty teeter totter. It never happens. Oh, that's a great one. See, now, Eric, if you'd have voted, that might have swung it right there. Might, might have. have swung it. Uh, let's go to the uh, Bears fans on the phone. Uh, let's see. We got, he calls himself Hollywood. He's on uh, 94 Hollywood. Hey, boys. How are you doing? We're doing well. What's up? Good, man. What's going on, boys? Uh, so I wanted to ask you a quick question. Well, who's Ryan Pace's best first-round draft pick? Is it Mr. Bisky? 
Roquan Smith or Leonard Floyd right now. Kevin White. I vote for Kevin White. (laughs) Kevin White, yes, sir. (laughs) And then... And then I just want a word to the wise. I hope Mikey North is listening. Um, stay away from the Big Ten. I know uh, Wisconsin and uh, Sparty uh, covered last night, but uh, the Hawkeyes don't do it tonight. They don't. They don't cover tonight. Stay away. They'll win, but they won't cover. And I'll, I'll listen. I'll hang up. Uh, I'm waiting to hear you on that Ryan Pace. He's Hollywood. Hollywood. The best thing to vote on, uh, to, to bet on, or to vote on, the best thing to bet on is exhibition baseball because that's so predictable. I would. I would think that right now, right this second. Mm-hmm. In my opinion, Roquan yeah. Smith is the best pick. I, I say the same thing. Yeah. Eric, what do you got? I, I completely I think now and 30 years from now, yeah. Roquan Smith will be that. As I a totally matter of agree. fact, uh, we have the, uh, here's a 2018 draft, all right? Uh, we might recall that the Bears had the eighth pick. Here's how it went down. Baker Mayfield, number one. As I read these names, do you think the Bears right now would have taken any of the seven names above Roquan, or were they saying, please fall, please fall? Would you as a Bear fan or Ryan Pace have taken, had he fallen to the eighth pick? Baker Mayfield, quarterback, Cleveland. Uh, Saquon Barkley, the running back, the Giants got him. Sam Darnold, Jets quarterback, went third. Denzel Ward, Cleveland corner, went fourth. Bradley Chubb, Denver DE, defensive end, went five. I love this guy, the big guard out of uh, Notre Dame. Quentin Nelson went yep. to Indy. Just ahead of the Bears, they were probably saying, oh, no, please, no, don't take Roquan. Josh Allen, Buffalo, took the quarterback. And then there's Roquan Smith, eighth pick behind him. The other Notre Dame lineman, offensive lineman, Mike McGlinchey. And then Josh Rosenfeld at 10, Arizona, the QB. What do you think, Fred and Eric? Fred, you go for Roquan yeah, Smith. I think there's two guys that you, you, they would have taken. Okay. Yeah. Who? Uh, Bradley Chubb. And uh, Saquon Barkley. Defensive end Chubb and the running back Barkley. Yeah. And usually I wouldn't say a running back, mm-hmm. but I think that since the Bears have been looking for a running back, um, then I think that they would have loved to have him because he can do a lot of things. He's not, a rare talent. Yeah, really I think is. he could have fit no, in not, this offense really well. I'm not saying you'd, you'd take Roquan Smith if you had the first pick, but if the Bears wanted Smith and they had the first pick, they could have traded down. Because everybody wanted those quarterbacks. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't have taken any of the quarterbacks. No, but right. other teams wanted yeah. those picks. Right. So you could have traded down and got Roquan. But you know what? Let me rephrase it. Do you think they right now today would want anyone other than Roquan Smith? No. Of those seven above? I mean, I Quentin think... Nelson, They it was highly talked about at the oh. time that that was the guy they oh, wanted was terrific. Quentin Nelson. So I would honestly say that... Saquon Barkley, Quentin Nelson, uh-huh. or even the guy that went after him, Mike McGlinchey, who's okay. the tackle out in San oh, yeah. Francisco, are yeah. all three going to be perennial Pro Bowlers, just like Roquan. Well, they passed on McGlinchey, though. Right. Uh, they did, correct. Yeah. They feel like their tackle situation set. So, so. maybe they would have uh, passed on Quentin Nelson, the uh, guard. That was, again, that was talked about at the time, was who I they know. wanted. So I, I, I would have doubted they passed him at the moment. Roquan Smith, we all agree, right now, the best number one pick for uh, Ryan Pace's four of... Kevin White, Leonard Floyd's going to have a breakout year. Mitch, Mitchie True, and Roquan Jesse Rogers in a few minutes. Back in a flash, lots to cover. Our number one is history. Our number two next. And it is cut down day. If anything crosses by, we'll have it for you right away from the Bears. It's ESPN 1000.
from downtown Chicago, broadcasting live from the first Midwest Bank studio on State Street. This is ESPN 1000 WMVP Chicago. Right with us. Hopefully, it's going all right for you, Murph and Fred. One minute away from Sanders. All right. One minute away from Jesse well, Rogers. It's all right for me. Yeah. It's not going to be all right for you in a second. Uh oh. No, no, no. This, the J. Hay kid's not leading off, is he? Lineups for today's game Hamels against Davies, a 120 start at the friendly confines. The Cubs on their way to an eight game winning streak. My, not today, but I, I mean, know what's going on. The Cubs face left-handed starting pitchers Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday. Monday and Tuesday, Seattle's throwing lefties. So that's why he figured, I'm not I'm not going to play the Jay Hay kid. No, no, not Willie Mays. That's the Say Hay kid. So Jay Hay's leading off. Jay Hay is leading off yep. in center field. Yep. Nicholas Castellanos in right. Chris Bryant at third. Anthony Rizzo back in the lineup at first base. Um, Javi Ooh. Baez at short. Victor Caratini behind the plate. Kyle Schwarber's in left. Addison Russell at second. Cole Hamels is on the mound. Well, good news that uh, Anthony Rizzo is back. Uh, hey, a little while, Fred, after Jesse. Uh, you know, we just talked about the 50th anniversary of the very first uh, uh, automatic teller machine. Uh-huh. Uh, and uh, 50 years ago today also, August 31st of 1969, the Cubs were still in first place. <laughs> saw a great piece by uh, uh, prominent uh, Will uh, Met uh, physician uh, Corey Franklin. Why the '69 Cubs, you know, mattered so much and still do. But yesterday, I'll tell you who mattered: Nicholas Castellanos. Castellanos with the two-run homer with the Cubs the lead in the first. Another blast. <laughs> I don't know what I like better, the swing or the reaction. Saturday, WGN TV. Let's bring him in. Our Cubs beat reporter, baseball reporter, Jesse Rogers, now live with... Are you live with Murph and Fred? Morning, Jesse. <laughs> I'm live for the next 20 minutes after that. Who knows? I usually collapse after talking. Well, you were the smartest guy <laughs> because Thursday night the team leaves New York for a day game Friday, and they get in about 2 in the morning. Then they have a day game. And you were smart enough to say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stay a little while longer in New York and blast off Friday morning. But the schedule makers, and it's unbelievable they allow this to continue to happen. The Cubs and this is not sour grapes because they, they won. But the Cubs should not have been forced to play a night game uh, Thursday night in New York and then have the day game here. Now, uh, I know they don't play. They could have played a night game on Friday, but they don't for a lot of reasons. And politically, uh, they're not allowed to even start at 3 o'clock. Like, remember the old Friday 3 yep, o'clock Friday games, three guys? O'clocks. Oh, Jesse, those were the best. Remember going out to those Friday? Dallas Green did those for the exact reason. When you'd have a Thursday night road game, you'd fly in at least two hours or an hour and a half or more sleep. And now they can't even do that, I guess. I don't know. Well, no, listen to this, Murph, and this is strange, and I don't have all the answers here. In two weeks, two weeks from yesterday, they play a 305 against Pittsburgh because 
they're in California the day before. Now, it's a day game in San Diego, but we know with the time difference in the travel, they're still going to get back probably around 1 or 2 a.m., maybe midnight. Mm-hmm. But they do play 305 against Pittsburgh a couple weeks from uh, today, or yesterday, so they can do it. I, and I asked why wasn't yesterday 305, and I never got a good answer. They can even play a 405 game, from what I understand, because that doesn't constitute a night game. So this has happened twice this month, Thursday away games, Friday day games. Of course, it happened against the Nationals last Thursday night, and then they played Friday and they beat the Cubs. So right. maybe it doesn't matter that all that much. The team that plays and travels keeps winning the next the next day. Well, my guess is, and they didn't want to say that the, either the alderman or the neighborhood probably allocated only yeah. so many. Okay, you get two times you can go Friday at three or, or four, but yeah. hey, whatever. So yeah, these are only one of the year. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I'm looking here. The only 305 of the year. Everything else on okay. Fridays at home are 120. Wow. Good good stuff. Uh, so, Jesse, uh, the story, of course, is Castellanos. We've been talking about him most of the uh, first hour. Uh, a great acquisition uh, by Theo Epstein. We've broken down his uh, uh, two, three last seasons with the Tigers. Uh, his, he's jacked up uh, playing in front of, you know, some fans. Uh, it, it's, you know, Death Valley, both literally and figuratively that ballpark he he played at but it's been an amazing run we have all the numbers here 11 homers 22 ribbies and you know one month it's just it's un, it's unbelievable yeah it is obviously a free agent push a playoff push things he's never been involved in before and i like when people ask me sort of and i get it they're they're, they're curious they don't know would the cubs be interested in, of course they'd be interested in keeping him if castellanos was still a tiger and was going getting on the market via trade or free agency he's exactly the type of player theo would be interested a guy that's sort of hungry been in a losing situation look at the metrics hitting in that big ballpark they would probably project him to hit well he's exactly he's the age is right 27 28 years old so of course the cubs are interested and of course they're going to get first jump on negotiations now that doesn't mean they're going to get them it doesn't mean they're going to get them at a cut rate it just means they get first shot and of course they're going to be interested but he has had a great run and it doesn't seem like it's uh, stopping anytime soon no yeah. it sure doesn't yeah. he's, he's been playing great and yeah, like you say just being able to play with something to play for you know me being in detroit the last couple of years has been absolutely miserable and now he's excited um uh, he he's kind of got a quirky personality every day's opening day and some yeah. of the comp- some of the things he comes up with but that bat slam yesterday <laughs> that that went global that was unbelievable yeah, that was great. That was great. You, you you see the passion. You see the hunger that everyone's talking about. It's right there. Everybody sees it. Yep. It's not like um, we have to analyze this any more than what we see on TV or, or live at the park. And 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 here's the thing. It, it underscores, again, I've said this on all the shows, Murph, you know, it underscores what Theo has talked about in terms of a different kind of player and someone maybe with a little bit more hunger that hasn't been there for four straight years in the playoffs Again, this is exactly who they would sign or trade for if he wasn't on this team come this offseason. And so if he's one, just think of the other changes they might make. If they see one guy that's been released from purgatory, huh. yeah. you know what I mean? They, they might look at some other guys that have been, you know, haven't been paid and haven't been playing with any headlines and have been playing on losing teams. That's how you re stock your hunger on your team, I guess. Well, you look, too. I mean, even James McCann. I mean, McCann was in Detroit. Yeah. And was was miserable. 
Yeah. I mean, he didn't come out and say he was miserable, but he was playing. He was catching for a bad team with no pitching, and he comes to the White Sox with and a bunch you can't of young pitchers. Up, and you can't put up any numbers in that park. No, so you, you start can't. To get demoralized compared to everybody yep. else's numbers. Yep. Uh, the Twitter poll right now. Everyone's been talking about the uh, Nicholas. Used to be Nick Castellanos. Is it Nicholas now? The Nicholas Castellanos bat slam. He says it was sort of spur of the moment, impetuous. He just did it. Looked over to fire up his team. Not planned, organic, if you will. So our Twitter poll right now, Chicago uh, baseball fans, which is your favorite? The Tim Anderson bat flip. The Nicholas Castellanos bat slam, or I hate them both, Murph. Let's bring in EO11. Eric, I have a funny feeling, but uh, my feelings don't vote. What do you have? This is a clear case of uh, bias, recency bias, junk, drunk Cubs Twitter. (laughs) Bat flip is 29%. Hate them both is 7%. And bat slam Uh is 64%. No surprise there. Jesse, uh, when you were at the Northbrook Little League and you played, you you (laughs) never hit a home run. No, every time he struck out five times in a row, that's when he slammed the bat down. It's a different kind of bat slam. By the way, I don't necessarily buy his fire up his teammates thing. Because I think I'm just guessing. I don't know. I'm. I think it was more like you can't beat me. You can't right. beat. You can't get a pitch past me. You can't beat me. I keep winning in these in these uh, battles with the pitcher. I think that was more about you know that. Moment. Right. But I don't know. I don't. Yeah, know. I don't I mean, think it, it was. You, you, you do things in the moment. You don't even know why. Sure. Sometimes. Yeah. I don't think he was trying to fire up his teammates. I mean, I just think he was. He was just celebrating for himself. I'm the man. Yeah. I'm the man. <laughs> exactly. That. That's what that bat slam was all about. All I'm right. the man. A guy who's not the man right now is a leadoff hitter today, yeah. uh, Jason Haywood. I got a sort of I a chuckle all week when you know fans would uh, uh, be uh, saying and calling in the ESPN 1000. They say, Why does uh, Joe Madden keep batting Hayward number one leadoff? And I keep yelling my back. Who else do you have in mind? You know, uh, they're what last? What we were saying, Fred? They're last of all, all base, all teams in baseball at on base percentage from the leadoff yeah, spot. Yeah, so uh, there's really been very a little. He's at the eleven. Uh, Hap was the eleventh uh, leadoff man uh, uh, yesterday. Uh, he's putting him in that slot today, probably because three lefties coming up, and he won't be playing him. Uh, but uh, what's your make? Hap at least uh, drove the ball. You know, Hap looked pretty good in center yesterday for. him. Him for him, he ran some nice routes, made a real nice catch. Well, I like Hap on the outfield so much more this year than any other time I've seen him. So let's start with that. And then he jumped on the first pitch there. That was nice. Um, I'll say this, and you you've heard me all week, Murph. Um, I, that that look, I agree with you. It, it, they, they they really don't have anyone better until Zobris comes back, and we don't even know if he can do the job. I just wish Joe would have, would state that more plainly. Instead, he's kind of. You know, I don't want to say uh, told white lies or anything. It's not that. It's just that he's pivoted from the question. He, mm-hmm. Instead of saying, yes, the numbers are bad, but we have no one better. He said, well, I like his presence up there. I like his leadership up there. Stuff that doesn't make sense to me um, or, or anybody, I don't think. Just say, I have no one better. I'm just going to leave him up there until we get Zobris back. Just, just, and then that's it. That's, all, that's the, the, the most you have to say. Instead, he's talking about leadership and presence. And he struck out to start the game against Syndergaard, but we scored six runs. Like, there was a correlation there. Right. You know, like he had a 15-pitch at bat. He didn't. So Joe is searching for words to describe what he's doing up there since the numbers are so bad. 
I think the word is I just don't have a, a confidence in anyone else, so I'm just going to leave him there until Zobris gets back. Yeah, but you're right. Exactly right. But Jesse, would he, he's not going to throw Theo under the bus, even though Theo's not bringing him back. Theo's, uh, you know, in effect firing him. Oh, his contract's up. Okay, I know. That's linguistics. He's not firing right. him. He's not bringing him back either. He didn't extend him like he should right. have two years last year and then eat a year or two. But the point is, you got to say, Joe's not going to say that. Who will do I have? That's pointing the finger at Theo and Joe. Is that Joe's never going to do that? Yeah, no, you're probably right. Now he, he's it slipped like once over the last three days because there was a lot of back and forth re- with reporters on this, and it may have slipped one time. I think I have the quote. I've I got no one. I have no one better. You know, real quick. But sure. most of it was mm-hmm. defending the move based on leadership and presence and all this stuff. So. Um, you know, it's going to be interesting. What did he say yesterday? He's not sure if he's going to throw Zobrist up there against the lefties because he's better as a left-handed hitter. I say forget that. Let Zobrist bat lead off tomorrow. Right-handed tomorrow. Why do you need to wait? He, he's a switch hitter for a reason. Put him up there tomorrow, and let's see how, what this guy has right away. Jesse Rogers with us. I agree. Uh, you know, Zobrist has not, he hasn't hit the ball at AAA. He had the terrible April and yeah. a week or two in May, but, you know, we all know that there was other circumstances, so whatever. Well, but, Murph, let me jump in. I've said this several times. Yeah. Look at Schwarber in 16. He had nothing, and he came back and helped in the world. world. Yeah. You, you, find, you can find out right away. You can get that adrenaline pumping. Right. And, and Zobrist is smart enough to... To know how to work in a bat, at least. I mean, mm-hmm. at the very least, you might get seven, yeah. eight, nine pitches at the lead up. It look, it's a long shot. I get that, but what's the difference if the long shot is batting first or batting second? Yeah, right. No, you know I, I mean? I'd put Zobers there too. I'm just saying, yeah. okay. you know, fingers crossed because right yes. now it hasn't been going well for him uh, this year. Uh, Jesse, there's something that uh, the last couple of weeks, and this is maybe a little uh, inside stuff, so we'll keep it brief. But a lot of fans and uh, people are saying, what's the Cubs rotation? You know, set the rotation. Yeah, uh, sure. And I get a really a big chuckle. Oh, that was me. You were chuckling at me but yesterday. That's a great, but that's a great sports well, talk radio no, debate. Yes, it is. Yes, but uh, correct. But here's the rub, as yeah. they used to say. You're going to be playing seven of the final ten with the Cardinals. It looks like it's going to go down to the last day. You will not be able to set, quote-unquote, set your rotation. You'll be playing for life and death every day on the five-man rotation. You're going to just have to pitch who's coming up in order. That's what I was leading to. There'll be no possibility, unless you got a two-three game lead with two-three games to go, to set anything. That's a very good point, and it's one of the reasons when the schedule comes out, I take notice because it alternates year uh, each year. The wild card game sometimes is on Tuesday for the NL. The division series starts Wednesday on Thursday. Okay. Other years, it's it, the wild card is Wednesday, and then the division series starts Friday. This one, unfortunately, is the early year. The Cubs, uh, the wild card game is Tuesday, assuming the Cubs aren't in it. Then they play Thursday. So whoever pitches Sunday, obviously. Can't yeah. pitch Thursday. Mm-hmm. Probably, I'm assuming whoever pitches Saturday won't pitch Thursday. You want full rest uh, for these guys. So uh, that's a very good point, and that's why it was of interest that the the, uh, the NL goes first, so to speak, in the playoffs. Right now, if it, if it goes the way it would be, Darvish would pitch Saturday and Hendricks on Sunday. If you played it all the way out? Yeah. 
To just count all the way out to the That's end of the bus? Good. Yeah. Very good. Yeah, I, well, I, I, did, I did it yesterday, so it's not well, that, that I did that, it. That, oh, don't yeah. say, that means, say you just did it no, now. No, no, no. I, I, I never lie. I never lie so, about anything. So that means Lester or Hamels for game one. Yeah. That's what that would mean. Uh-huh. And, and and you know what? You you could say whatever you want today, but it's about who's pitching how they're pitching a month from now that's most important. The only of thing course, I get, of course Lester would be behind those guys. But right you're now. not gonna be able to set anything if the last games against the Cardinals are do or die. You just got your rotation like Fred right. was saying. But the only thing you can do is you have an off day that Monday. Right. So you have an off day that Monday and you go to Pittsburgh. So if for some reason you do have a lead, a lead of a, a two game lead, you probably could throw an, uh, you know, and uh, you know Alzale or somebody like that. And I, I Wait, say Alzale before the last games with the Cardinals against Pittsburgh yeah, in but, Pittsburgh. But they end the season with I, the Cardinals. I know that. But what I'm saying is, you can help. You can move your guys then. Well, well not if not if you need the win. <laughs> no. <laughs> what I'm saying is, if you're you're well, going you, to play Pittsburgh, well, you could right. And if if you really wanted to do that or had to do it, you could do it because Pittsburgh oh, yeah. at that point is going to be playing their forty well, guys. Too, but what if you're a game or two behind St. Louis? Well, if you're behind, oh yeah, right, well, it's I, different. Or a, <laughs> I mean, Murph, you you do have a choice on on in game one if it's that Thursday because it, I'm not between Darvish or, right. or Hendricks. You know, not not the Saturday or Sunday starter, because, but the Friday Thursday starters will have plenty of rest. So you do get that choice. It could, you know, whoever's pitches Friday could still start the following Thursday, or yeah, or Quintana, Quintana, or Hamels. Yeah. So now, if I, if I if that wasn't enough of a buzzkill, let me go to the, <laughs> the real buzzkill, Jesse and Fred. All right. <clears throat> Here's the problem, and it's sort of based on what we were just saying. All right, the National League East. Atlanta's got a five and a half game lead. Let's say that the last week that they still got a three, four game lead, they can, they can start setting and resting. The Dodgers have a, what was it, 18 or game? 18, it's 18. They're going to be able to rest their starters and set them for a week or two in advance. Well, from now they can set them. And rest them. They can rest them. And rest them. Now, that's not all. Let's look at the wild card. Today, right now, Washington Nationals got a two and a half game lead on the Cubs for the two slots. Let's say that plays the same to the end. Washington, they can rest with a two and a half game lead. They really have a six game lead in front of the third team, if that makes sense. So they've almost locked up. So they can start resting their uh, Strasburgs and their Scherzer's. Scherzer guys. Yeah. But the Cubs will probably, it looks like, be going uh, do or die to the last game. Other pitching staffs are going to face, be it Washington, L.A., Atlanta. They're going to be rested for a week and all set up. And uh, that's the second buzz kill I didn't want to bring up. <laughs> oh, Murph, you're, I mean, you're on the money. I mean, look, if the Cubs get in, they're getting in as an underdog who's going to have to win on the road. That, which they haven't done a lot this mm. season. There's a lot of things stacking up against them, uh. but we know underdogs can win. Yeah. Here, the worst case scenario is is absolutely being the second wild card team and having the NL go first. That means uh. it, somehow if you clinch that wild card yeah. Saturday or Sunday, then Monday you're on a plane to to uh, Washington. Right. Tuesday you're playing in Washington. Thursday you're playing to L.A. I did that Washington L.A. thing two years ago. That wasn't fun. Remember when they had a um, the car they had to, uh, the plane had to land. I think Katana's wife was ill. That whole, that was uh, uh, yeah. they were just they were gassed by the time they played the Dodgers. 
Now, that was after a division series. This would be after a wild card game. But the last thing you want in this particular year is to be that second wild card because you're really screwed. Well, here's the other problem. Let's, you know, the one and done with Washington, if that's how it plays out. They've got a six game lead. They could conceivably pitch at Strasburg the first four innings and Scherzer the next four innings. Very, very well said. Absolutely. That's the whole idea. Uh, you know, we, we, oh. there's a lot of people that think Quintana could piggyback a, a, a Cubs starter in a wild card situation or yeah. even in a playoff game situation. But you're not wrong about that. Now, most teams don't want to use up their best two because you've got a division series two right. days later. But, you know, you've got to win the first game. Yeah, if you only, only go three or four innings out of those two guys, they'll be ready. And that's like their throw yeah. day, maybe. You know what? Yur- Yurko's yelling right now. Yurko, Yurko's win the listening. division? No, no, no. Yurko's, <laughs> no. Yurko's famous phrase all I need is a chip and a chair. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you got to get in. Well, yeah, you got to well, be in the poker game. That's all. You know, re- remember last year, the Cubs never even celebrated the wild card because they wanted nothing to do with that game. Right. And it's the same feeling this year. This team's too talented. The payroll's too high to think about a one game uh, done, in, and this time on the road, mm. unless they catch Washington, of course. They've got to beat the Cardinals out. If they don't beat the Cardinals out for the division, it's a disappointing. Again, finish to the season. But to uh, just recap, the uh, Cubs have the worst on-base percentage in the leadoff slot Mm -hmm. out of 30 teams. This from the disciple, the disciple of on-base percentage, Theo Epstein. But I will say this. They probably have, at least in the NL, I think, the uh, the 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 highest hitting home run hitter in the seven hole today. Kyle Schwarber, thirty two home <laughs> yeah. runs. He's batting seventh. And I know a lot of teams have a lot of home runs, but I don't know many thirty two home run guys hitting seventh against the righty. Well, you think about it too, and I know we right. talk about it all the time about the number of homers and this. The Cubs win when you hit homers, and I know Jeff Passan was on the air the other day and said, "Well, pretty much that's baseball in twenty nineteen." The one thing is, when the other teams don't hit homers, they're still able to win. Certain teams are able, and Jess, you know this because Joe says it all the time. Yeah. Certain other teams like the Astros, the Dodgers, they have guys that can put the ball in play and move the ball around. The Cubs seem to need the homers to win. I think by now because homers, they had two homers from Caratini. That's all they scored. Uh, three of his six hits were Caratini against in that last game against the Mets. And yesterday, yeah. you had the Castellanos and you had the Schwarber. That's what, six runs or something like that. And so they need the home runs. Probably 50% of their runs are scored by the home run. They still need to find guys that can put ball in, balls in play. Maybe that's something that Zobris can do when he gets here. Um, and one thing we forgot to mention today, and I think he deserves it because we've been criticizing him a lot. Theo? David Bodie was on base four times yes. yesterday, and he made a hell of a play he behind had, third. He had two he had two hits, yeah. and he walked twice. <laughs> he was on base four times. Yeah. If anything gives you some, you know, enthusiasm to go back yeah. on out there, that's got to be great for him. If anything think gives about, you enthusiasm, it's a month in Des Moines. <laughs> I was about to say that, Mark. Sorry, I mean, Jesse. Think about every everybody that's been down yeah. there has come up with a little bit more life to the, you know, just yeah. and better play as oh, well. Yeah. But just a little bit more appreciation. Now I'm interested to see how more when he comes up, I assume, tomorrow. You know, what's he going to be like? What can he bring after being down there for Yeah, a few he's weeks? been in the tank well, you know down what? there, too. It's a, it's a thing where, the, where now they realize, yeah. no, you know, it, nothing's given to you. Yeah. We, we, we had it. They gave took it away from us. Yeah. Now we got it back. We want to keep it. We want to stay I, here. And I don't want to be too harsh, but I will tell you the guys that went down mentally, I think, needed to go down. I I'm agree. not talking about f- yep, the, sure. the physics yep. of it all. I'm talking about Bodie needed. 
I don't want to, I hate to use this word, but I think a few of those yeah. guys needed to be humbled a little bit. They needed to be humbled a little bit. Nothing humbles you better than a month in Des Moines. Like what, they needed, what they needed was a burr under their sail. We just don't want anybody right. to tell us that. All right, Jesse, one last thing. Rizzo yep. in the starting lineup, he was on his weekly visit with Cap. The Kaplan. Two weeks ago, and Cap said to him, are you healthy? Let's eavesdrop. Are you healthy? Uh, 100%. All right. Now, he's not going to say, no, my back hurts. I understand that. <laughs> and I don't care if... See, I'm not one of the guys that, oh, they lied to me. They lied to me. I expect them to I lie. I don't want athletes and general <laughs> managers to tell me the truth that they don't feel like it. Point is, do you think he's healthy now? Or is he, uh, you know, he's playing today. Who knows? I mean, only he knows. Two things. I believe him when he said that two weeks ago because he said the back just tightened up on him out of nowhere in the field or at the plate, whatever it was. So, I mean, that can happen. The injury happened when it happened last Saturday. I don't believe he's 100% because he said earlier in the week to us in, in New York that he was going to manage the pain enough to get back out there, and usually he plays through it a little bit, and it gradually goes away. All right. That's what's happened in the past. So I, I'm sure he's not 100% today. Jesse, are you 100%? I'm always 100% with you two. At least when I come on, when I get off, I need that rest. I need a nap. I need oh, to lay down. Jesse, you, you terrific post-game interview on Circle 7 ABC oh. with Victor Caratini. The greatest thing was the interpreter was there. Now, here's Jesse. So he asked the question to Caratini, who obviously understands the question, because then he quickly tells the interpreter the and Espanol yeah. the answer. But here's the thing. And I love all reporters you do it, and you have to for 20, 30, 40 years when you're in the locker room, whatever, and they're giving you an answer. You look at them and you have to, and you smile. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, and then, you know, that's fine. But you were doing it to the interpreter. Go, uh huh, uh huh, uh huh. Why don't, here's an idea. Next time that happens, don't look at the interpreter answering. Look back at Caratini and smile. Uh huh, uh huh, uh huh. Well, my, my wife thought it was the funniest thing. <laughs> I asked the question to Caratini. Yeah. Caratini looked at Johnny, the right. interpreter. Johnny looked at me. Yeah. I'm looking at him. It was, it was kind of funny. I mean, think about how quickly that came together. The last oh. person I think I'm getting is Caratini <laughs> until, of course, the seventh or eighth inning. Then I'm, I'm running yeah. down the press box to find Johnny uh. Acevedo and I'm like, yeah. how do we do this? I've never done this with an interpreter. So, I think the fact that we even got the interview on the air, uh, I'm, no. I'm happy with You were great. Uh, you're too old, uh, too young, but there used to be a thing here called Garfield Goose. And he would talk. He was a, a, a puppet. He was a hand puppet. A hand puppet. And he would talk to <laughs> Frazier Thomas like this. And Frazier would look at Romberg Rabbit and go, what did he say? And then Romberg would, like his mouth would move into uh, Frazier Thomas's ear. And he'd go, oh, Garfield wants the day off. That's what I was thinking of. You were like Frazier Thomas. Well, you know, people were saying, why wasn't Caratini looking at me? I think it's really strange to talk to someone and not have, not look at them. You know, know. What I mean? like, like if Johnny's talking to me, the interpreter, how do I look at Caratini and nod? That would have been really weird. It but- was terrific. You were great. Right. It was a great Thank get. You. you did a great job. Jesse Rogers. Thanks, buddy. You guys are the best, and I mean that. Take care. See you, Jess. You're the second best. Murphy. There's a weird thing. A yeah. weird thing. The, the Cubs just put their lineup out. Ah. And it says, we'll bat Schwarber sixth. So they made a change. They flipped Schwarber and Caratini in the lineup. All right. Because as Jesse had mentioned, Schwarber was originally seventh. Okay. And now they switched it. Either somebody made a mistake when they said the original lineup out. Because <laughs> why would you switch the six and seven hitters? Murph and Fred, ESPN 1000. Mike Murphy. 
Fred Hubner back together on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Ah, uh, yes, indeed, Murph and Fred. Got some White Sox talk coming up and uh, plenty more Bears talk. But first of all, 50 years ago today, yeah, the uh, first ATM, but also the Cubs were still in first place August 31st. 1969. This caught our eye, Fred. A, a fun and great and poignant uh, piece uh, that uh, ran uh, uh, in the Tribune. Why the 1969 Cubs mattered so much and, you know, why they still matter now and written by prominent uh, Wilmette physician Corey Franklin. He writes... Uh, Younger, younger Cub fans, you know, currently, and sports writers uh, that don't have historical context, well, they routinely express disdain for those who recall the 69 Cubs fondly. Why would you celebrate a team that never won anything and choked away the pennant? It's a, it's the old school, typical, lovable loser Cubs. Let's go now to Wilmette. And uh, been reading this stuff for years. One of his uh, many books, The Doctor Will See You Now. Uh, let's bring in uh, Dan. I'm going to come, Dr. Corey Franklin. It's Murph and Fred. Good morning. Good morning, Murph and Fred. Uh, Murph, you can call me Corey. That's okay. okay. <laughs> How about Fred? Can you call you Corey call also? Him. Yeah, I'm going to call him Corey yeah, also. Fred Ginter, thanks. <laughs> hey, fans. Say hi to uh, uh, Corey Franklin. And uh, a, a fun piece, a great piece. But uh, you, not only a lifelong Cub fan, but you were out there uh, in those uh, halcyon crazy days. Uh, but you weren't uh, only out there as a fan. Uh, what? Why were you at Wrigley Field all the time in 1969? Well, in '69, I was still a fan. I wasn't a. I wasn't a diehard like you were, Murph. I mean, you're you're legendary there. But the next year, I was hired on the ground crew. Nice. So in 1970, <laughs> I started working on the ground crew. So. I was at Holtzman's no-hitter, and then the next year I was cleaning up uh, the bleachers after all the games where I used to sit. Ah, that that must have been a crazy fun time to, you know, be a, a grounds crew guy. A lot of our friends still in the business, Fred, were vendors. Were they cleaning up uh, Rod Santo pizza boxes? Oh, yeah. Oh, Fred, <laughs> there were a lot of Rod Santo pizza boxes. Believe me. I, know, I know that Rodney used to always check with the people uh, in the stands to see how the pizza was. So that was always when, good. When, Ask when, the vendors. When Ronnie would go 0 for 4, the fans would take the little box that came in and <laughs> flip them like Frisbees out in the field at him. Oh, my gosh. But a big question, and you hit it succinctly here, Corey. Why did the Cubs, 69 Cubs, matter so much? And for the, like you talk about now, the, uh, you know, younger fans, uh, you know, why should they even care to hear, hear about this right now, 50 years to the day later? Well, I, you know, my opinion is, Murph, is that it, it transcends baseball. It's an interesting story about life. You know, it's it's almost a lifetime, two-thirds of a lifetime. And yet it was a time when the Cubs were just coming into their own. Uh, you remember the days before that, the days of the early 60s, when there were three, four, five thousand 5,000 people there. And now the Cubs were... Uh, a hot team, a popular team. It's hard for kids and younger people today to realize that there was a time before 
the Cubs were sold out every game or nearly sold out every game. And this was when it happened. And it also happened at a time that was, it was sort of the end of the 60s, but it was a time of profound social change uh, in Chicago and in the United States. So the two things sort of dovetailed. And anybody who could remember that time can recall it, you know, with some fondness. Okay, why exactly did you say who can remember that time? Because of, what, because of all the things that were going on during that time? <laughs> well, I, I, I was... Uh, <laughs> if you were there, you don't remember exactly. exactly. Right. There's, a, there's a couple of ways to look at that. One is if you were there, you don't remember. But you know, even if you were, uh, say, today, 55 years old, you might not remember that time. Yeah. Because you don't, you'd have only been five. So you have to be a little older than that. And again, the 69 Cup, it was an amazing team. And I don't say that from a baseball sense. It was an amazing team in terms of personalities, and not just personalities on the field, but personalities in the stands. Hmm. And your partner was one of them. And it was just, I mean, it was pure fun at Wrigley Field when you would go there in 1969. And I have to tell you, I've seen, uh, you know, hundreds, hundreds of baseball games. But the game that stands in my mind more than any other was Ken Holtzman's no-hitter. Yeah, it was an amazing occurrence. August, uh, what, 18th, 19th, uh, the Cubs uh, went then about eight, eight and a half games up over the uh, Mets. Uh, he throws a no-hitter. Uh, fans uh, ran on the field. I was able, well, the only time I've ever run on the field, Fred and Corey, uh, well before the bleachers had that basket. And uh, hang down like by your fingertips. My feet would dangle. It was about 11 feet wall. I'm about six. So then you'd sort of drop down and go into a, like a gymnastic roll. And, but you point out in your piece, no one was uh, tearing up the sod or burning anything down, right? Right. They were just celebrating. It was just a celebration. I know the next year when I was working there, I asked some of the players, and then they, they said they were a little fearful as they were coming off the field. And I asked them, well, did anything happen? They said, no, the fans were actually quite peaceful. They were just having a good time. They, you know, they were assuming that the Cubs would be in the World Series at that point. But seeing a no-hitter on a beautiful day like that and, you know, jumping down on the field, they were just having a good time. Visiting uh, for a few minutes with uh, Dr. Corey Franklin and a great piece that uh, was running in the Tribune. Why the 1969 Cubs mattered so much. You point out America was divided in 1969. And you drop uh, parallels uh, with the presidents then, now, throughout time. The Woodstock generation, but Fred, Vietnam. 1,000 Americans were being uh, were dying every month uh -huh. in Vietnam. Uh, the days of rage you talk about, the National Guard, Greenwich Village in New York uh, during the famous, uh, now infamous, uh, I should say, Stonewall uh, uh, riots uh, out there. But then you transition into, but Wrigley Field in 1969 was an oasis of good vibrations. Years before Harry Carey came to town, tickets were cheap. And regardless of your race, your class, your gender, your age, strangers bonded. Here's, here's the line I like. Uh, hippies and Vietnam War vets took turns in the bleachers buying beers for each other. Right, Corey? Yes. Um, you know, and you could, you could attest to that better than I was because you were out there all the time. I will say the only bad vibes were if you were the left fielder of the opposing team. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, you're exactly right about that. It was good, clean fun. I'll let the record show we never had any profanity. Uh, it was uh, like you was saying your conclusion. It was a. Uh, it's all about being young. Here's why it's harder for today's, uh, you know, generations to look back and go. I'll be honest, Fred. Fifty years in 1969, I wasn't looking back at the 1919. Uh, you weren't baseball, though. That was you were looking back in 1919 and the was, way the White Sox cheated. Well, that was the unfortunate, <laughs> but it was the same time frame. You right. know what I'm saying? Right. I was so someone today's going. What do I want to hear about that? That'd be like in '69 talking about the 1919 uh, baseball days. But it was all about being young. And uh, Corey concludes, today's sports writers and fans will one day discover no experience is more powerful nor impossible to recapture as that of youth, Corey. <laughs> well, I, I, you know, um, I'm going to stand by that comment. Yeah. Okay. Hey, I love all your other works also. Next time, Corey had some ways how to speed up the game. See, I read all your stuff, Corey. I read all your stuff. <laughs> Thanks, Murph and Fred. You guys are very kind to say that. Thank you very much. Great job. We'll catch up again, okay? Thanks, Corey. Great talk with you guys. Hey, we won't wait 50 more years. Deal? <laughs> deal. That sounds like a good deal, Murph. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks, Corey. Dr. Corey uh, yeah. Franklin, you know, uh, a prominent uh, physician in Wilmette. The one thing, and I'm 62, so I remember, um, 50, well, I was 12, right? So uh, you look at it, and I remember, of all the baseball games I ever watched on TV, probably the Willie Smith home run in the opener was probably one of the, my biggest memories growing up watching baseball because it's the opening day of the season. You run home from yeah. school. Uh, the Cubs have a lead. Everything's looking great. Fergie's on the hill. No problem. This is going to be great. And then Fergie gives up uh, the first three guys in the top of the ninth <laughs> inning. He allows all of them to get on base. Yeah. And next thing you know, they bring in Phil Regan. Okay, who's still around? Vulture. Now, not right now. Uh -huh. He's the now he's the hitting the uh -huh. pitching coach. That's so um, they give up. They score three times. They go to extra innings. Yeah. But Willie Smith hits the home run in the eleventh inning. Yeah, and the Cubs win seven to six. Ernie hits two homers in that game. Uh, Don Money three for five with five RBIs for the Phillies in that game. Yeah, Regan was the only guy out of the bullpen in that game <laughs> for the Cubs. Fergie went eight plus. Yeah. Regan went three innings, allowing a run on two hits, and uh, the Cubs get off to a win. Mm. I'm looking here; they had they were in first place until a six game losing streak. Mm. They ended up losing eleven of twelve. Yeah. They stayed in second all the way through. They won the first 10. I believe they were 9-0 or 10-0 out of the box. The thing that was so amazing was that the Cubs had been like in last or next to last place for 20 years until 67 when it started to gel. And like even Fred, the great Sox fan, the Cub games are on at daytime. daytime. And the kids would get, get home, home from, from school, school yeah. and the Sox had night games on TV and not all of them were on. But the point is... Well, Kyle, you can brick house as, as the brick house would finish that, head yeah. to the south side and, and do the Sox game. Yeah, finish a couple of VOs <laughs> in water and go to the south side. Because well, the Sox games used to start later. I think they played at 8. 8 yeah. p.m. Or, uh, in the 50s there. But the thing was, the Cubs had been... 3,000 people, 3, 4,000. You know, if they had 10,000 on a weekend, that was a big crowd. 
and last place, last place, next to last. And all of a sudden, they start winning. And all the kids now had been watching the Cubs for 10 years, you know, from 5 years to 15 years old. And now all of a sudden, they're winning. And the place became like an empty morgue with 3,000 people. To 45,000 people, the fire marshal, you know, turned his eyes the other way. And it was 45,000. And it was the place to be, as, yeah, uh, as crowds, Corey pointed out. The crowds in July yeah. uh, for the Cubs during the week. That was July, yeah. 34,000, 37,000, 38,000. Yeah. And, you know, it was amazing when the season started. And obviously, the season starts in April, but 4,000, 3,000. Fred, they 5, opened 000. up the gates back then three hours before game time. Yeah. At 20 minutes after. Just begging after, people to come in. 20, well, no, but I mean, <laughs> yeah. at 20 minutes after 10. By 11 o'clock, there'd be 45,000 people in there two and a half hours before the game even yeah. started going crazy, chanting and cheering. People sat on the aisles. The grands up and down just sat in the aisles. The vendors never left the vendor station, and they'd sell the entire rack of Frosty Malts or whatever. Oh, they Frosty never, Malts are the best. They didn't get five steps out of the vendor's room yeah. before they'd sell the rack out. Yeah. Murph and Fred. Yeah, we get to some Bears, some White Sox, and Cubs. Glad you're with us. The beginning of a wonderful three-day holiday. Back in a flash, it's ESPN 1000. Hey, it's a great day today. A perfect day to head on out and look for a new car. And the guys are waiting for you at Fields Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram in Glenview. They'll be there all day long, get a low price and a whole lot more. Some dealerships, they advertise false prices. They get you in and then they say, oh, no, 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 we got this, we got this. No, no, no. At Fields, their advertised prices are there. They're real. They don't change them when you come in. They want to earn your business and will not mislead you. Go on over to Fields, Chrysler, Dodge, Jeep, Ram, and Glenview, or visit them at FieldCJD.com. Tell them Fred sent you. White Sox talk in a few minutes, then the Bears and Cubs beat, shall we? You know, Fred, it always, we're talking about this 50-year thing. It always surprises me that after 50 years, guys can't tell the truth. Like the group Chicago, uh-huh. 25 or 6 to 4. Right. They, now, why don't they just say it's a story about a hallucination? Hallucinogenic acid trip. It's not. No, well, yeah, because they don't know. But the wristwatch broke. We didn't know if it was twenty-five minutes or six minutes to four. Phil Regan. All right, you mentioned the uh, famous. Now he's still the Mets pitching coach. Maybe that's why he's right. not saying. So I told you the story. I told us the story a few weeks ago. He used to run the wind sprints back and forth, a foul pole to foul pole uh-huh. uh, before the game at Wrigley Field, and we're out there. And he's run. He threw a spitball. He he put uh, like Vaseline or KY jelly on his fingertips. Right. He'd hide it under the bill of his head. So the tube, he used to come like in a, a, a toothpaste tube, right. KY. He's running the wind sprints at 11 in the morning, and it flops out of his back pocket. Real vulture, that was his nickname. Vulture, did the tube, the KY. Oh, he put it back in his pocket. Now, this was this week, Len Casper, did you hear this? He's doing the Mets game, and he starts talking about the he's current, I think he's 80 years old, Phil Regan, the pitching coach of the Mets. I got a, a note in the, the snail mail back in July from Edward Keel from Chesterton, Indiana. Then the next time you see Phil Regan, ask him about an incident when he was pitching against Pete Rose of the Reds in Chicago, the Empire accused Phil of using some foreign substance each time he went to the mound, examined his gloves and hands or his glove and hands, but never found anything. We were never told what came of it. So I showed Phil this this letter 
And he laughed. He told me the whole story. There was something like 15 or 16 illegal pitches deemed that day. And they never did find anything. He said, I struck out Rose. And the umpire said, no pitch. They went out and they checked his glove. So they took a towel. They, like, wiped his forehead, his hat, the whole deal. And he said, that year, Rose beat out Matty Alou for the uh, the batting title. And he said, basically, it came down to that hit. Did he? What did, was he doctoring the ball? Did nope. he say? Nope. He, he said he it was wasn't, just funky movement. Yeah. yeah, he said. Do you think he would have come clean had he been doctoring the ball? Probably not. <laughs> no, it was, he was loading up KY yeah. jelly on his fingertips. The ball dives straight down. Now also known as a spitball. Oh, but that was good stuff. The vulture. No, 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 no. No, I, I wouldn't just, do anything like that. I just that. had a tube of Vaseline in my pocket for the hell of it. That's great. Murph and Fred. White Sox, White Sox back, back on the Bears and the Cubs. All that between now and noon. It's the ESPN 1000. I don't know where that tube came from. One, two, three, cuatro. Our number three. Murph and Fred every Saturday, 9 till noon. And don't forget also, uh-huh. we are starting today with uh, yeah. with with college football being really big. It is Chicago's uh, college tailgate, which starts uh-huh. at 12 o'clock. Cool. It'll be Jay Hood along mm-hmm. with Chris Black, Adam Abdallah. They'll take you through college football. And uh, they're also here on a Monday before the Notre Dame game for a couple hours. So, uh... You're a big college football fan. The guys are with you and uh, help you through your college football Saturday. We'll have some White Sox talk in a few minutes. Ryan McGuffey, White Sox guy, NBC Sports Chicago, White Sox uh, talk uh, podcast. So that'll be right around the corner. Let's set the table now with a couple quick Twitter polls for White Sox fans only. Number one, when should Rick Hahn call up Louis Robert? A, tomorrow. When the rosters expand, B, opening day next year, or C, mid-April. By the way, his numbers are unbelievable. Yep. Down He's at, pretty uh, darn good. Yeah, we got those here. And uh, White Sox fans vote right now also at ESPN 1000. Yes or no, the next time the White Sox are in the playoffs, will Rick Renteria be the manager? Yes or no? Oh, and uh, your Labor Day backyard favorite Monday, will it be bratwurst, burgers, hot dogs, or steaks? No, you can't vote for all four. <laughs> no. Uh, One of the big things nowadays on uh, Twitter and on uh, Facebook yeah. is they put up four things to say, which one would you eliminate for oh. the rest of your life? So which of those four would you would you get rid of? They never have again. Hmm. Brats, hot, what did you say? Brats, hot dogs, hamburgers, and steak? Yeah. Yeah, that'd be tough. Yeah. <laughs> I'd probably go. I would probably go hamburgers. Oh man, I love it. You know I what? Too. I had one last night. I just Great got one. a big homegrown tomato, bright red. Uh-huh. Put a burger on that grill in the back and slice that thing with about a one-inch slice of tomato. Delicious. Nothing worse than the tomatoes at the grocery store. I mean, that's <laughs> a joke. Why even sell them? They're like they're like pink cardboard. But a real tomato? Oh, my God. Hey. And that was another Murph moment. (laughs) Not not one of my better ones, but I guess it would qualify. Let's talk some Bears football. It's cut down day. Which is bad news for 1,184 players around uh, the NFL. (laughs) Did you just do that number in your head? I haven't talked about it yesterday. 
So I remembered. Oh, I thought 1184. I thought that was maybe from, uh, you know, back in the uh, day. I grew up in Cicero. There's not too much I believe in unless I see it. So to uh, distill down, uh, uh, you have to cut down from 90 to 53. Right. By 3 o'clock Central Time, Central Daylight Standard Time. So teams right now are cutting down from 90 to 53. You can put 10 men on your practice squad. That has to be announced Sunday at noon. You'll be doing uh, some of that tomorrow, right, Fred? Uh Uh-huh. Now, any of the players you release have to go through waivers. So that'd be about uh, about 37, uh, 56, 57, whatever. You have to put all those players, when you cut the 90 down to 53 today, they have to go on waivers. Now, if claimed by another team, those uh, that team must put that man on their 53. It sounds confusing, but it really makes sense. So uh, everyone gets released up to 53, and then those guys, they can wait, and maybe someone will call them and say, you're going on our 53, right. at which time then maybe the Bears or another team can call you up for the 10-man practice squad. I know it sounds confusing, but it's really pretty organized. Yeah. So a lot of the names have been filtering down, both unofficial and official on the Bears. Most of the names are nothing out of the ordinary, Fred. We had, uh, oh, from Hinsdale Central, a feel-good story, tight end uh, Ian, Ian Bunting. Ian Bunting. Yep, he'll be looking for work maybe uh, in the XFL. And so Thomas Ives also oh, uh, played at Hinsdale Central. Oh, I missed that. Okay. They graduated at the same time. Uh, also, I've seen reports here that Ryan Nall has been told he'll be put on waivers. Really? The running back. That might be a little bit of a surprise to people well, because gonna, I'm sorry, yeah, was, because he's a guy that they all oh. thought would uh, definitely be hanging around, and uh, maybe they'll try to bring him back. But you know, someone's going to claim him. And they may. Fit, well, maybe not. I shouldn't say that so yeah. definitively. You're they, right. Yeah, they may. They may not. Another one. Well, uh, hold on. It was excuse me. It was between him and Kareth uh, White. White W. Yeah. Uh, H-Y-T-E. Uh, right. Not the uh, Kevin White. Was that his name? The yeah. first round bust yeah, not out? not him. Yeah. So one of the running backs. So uh, Nall, he was sort of like a, the Bears don't have, carry a fullback. He could have been like an eye back, a tight end. So uh, I'm, I'm sure they want to try to hope no one claims him, like you say, and yeah. put him on the 10 man. One of the other guys that some people are reporting have has been released is uh, Jonathan Bullard. Third round pick in 2016. Whoa, now that's that's not a surprise, but maybe to him it is. Uh, it may be, but I know, I know that uh, Patrick Finley had it in his article on Friday in the Sun-Times when he was looking at the 53. It said maybe between Bullard and Nick Williams, but mm-hmm. looks appears they're going to stay keeping Nick Williams to be a backup, uh, backup nose tackle. And um, instead of Bullard, who uh, whose position was a defensive end, so Bullard uh, is one of the guys. Another guy that they just drafted, Stephen Denmark, uh, a cornerback. He's had an ankle injury, hasn't been able to participate at all, and reports out that he's getting released. Well, no one will claim him. No. And uh, since he was a draft pick, he'll, I'm guessing, be on the 10-man, but you never know. You would think so. Or maybe they can slide him on the injured reserve or whatever they call it. Yeah, Kylie Fitz, outside linebacker. Oh, yeah. Yep, another guy that Where, uh, reports out. him? Yeah, reports are that uh, he didn't do a whole heck of a lot. When he had an opportunity, so... Uh, he was a draft pick. Yeah, they've seen some other guys. Ago. Yep, sixth-round pick, I think it was. Jeez. So... Well, the, yeah, it uh, ain't easy. Well, Jonathan Bullard, see, now this is interesting because the Bears, most teams keep six 
on the three-man front defensive line. So uh, as you're talking about Patrick Finley the other day, and I know he came on. It was yeah. a great uh, visit. Uh, Akeem Hicks, uh, Eddie Gold, and uh, and Eddie Bal- Goldman. Eddie oh, Gold used to be. God, I'm sorry. He used, he, he used to do all of the. Uh, yeah. Right. All the collectible stuff. And, and, and uh, uh, Belial, Belial and Nichols, who really slid in there around game two, game three. Uh, yeah, he's really and, good. and took Bullard's job last year. Uh-huh. And then Roy Roberts and Harris. There's a guy, tall, lanky, and, and they're not going to mess with losing him. No. Nope. So uh, Bullard's bye-bye. Now, the backup to Goldman, they only have really the other nose tackle is, as you're talking about, Nick Williams, right? right? Yep, Nick Williams is still around. And, yeah. uh, we'll get the full list. It'll, it'll be later on today, but it always starts leaking out throughout the course of the day. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Our Bears uh, Twitter poll questions, uh, we've covered a few of them. Uh, did we pay off yet, uh, EL11? Uh, will Eddie Pinero uh, be the kicker for all 16 games for the Bears this year? Yes or no? That was the one that was 49-51 a few hours ago, yes, was it? Yes, correct. And it still is 51%. No, 49%. Yes. Uh, Bears fans, which tight end will have the most production? Now, That's going to be tough. It took a while for me to get this worded correctly. Uh, and I don't know if it's really fair, but hey, who said the Murph and Fred fan focus group Twitter polls Listen, are, are fair? Life's not fair, believe me. Bears fans, which tight end will have the most production? Multiple choice. Well, Trey Burton, of course, that's the obvious answer, you is think it? so. Adam Shaheen? Oh, man, I still hate to give up the ghost of Adam Shaheen. C, and this guy slips in more and more now, Ben uh, Brunecker. Ben Brunecker, yeah. Brunecker. Yep. And other. I usually hate to put other, but there was Dax Raymond. Uh, now, Ian Bunting, uh, not around. How about uh, Jesper uh, Horsted? He made he had the two big catches yes, the did. other day. Also he, reading that him and um, uh, the uh, third-string quarterback are being cut as well. Tyler Bray, Tyler huh? Bray and him are being cut. Yes. Uh, Rich Campbell. Speculation that Tyler Bray might be. Come they, back to the practice squad type well, thing. Oh, no, someone might claim him. Tyler Bray. Yeah, there was speculation of that the other day. I'm not saying I believe it. I'm just saying right. there's been that out there. Yeah, but if you got to take him and then put him on your roster, it's well, going to be a lot tougher for a quarterback unless you really see. He's a sy- he's a system guy. Yeah. So not many teams are going to quote unquote want him unless they have the Bears system. Right. And uh, aren't, well, you got Kansas City and you got Philadelphia, uh, but Philadelphia just ended up getting Josh McCown coming out of retirement, well, they, well, they, yeah. coming out of the ESPN, uh, he did, the chair that he hadn't even sat in yet. It would be, a, I don't want to say huge loss to the Bears, but I know to Man Nagy it would be because, gosh forbid, you need your third guy, you know. Yeah, he, usually if you need your third his, guy. He's a system guy. Yeah. And against the third string. I mean, he looked good the other day. Don't get me wrong. He's threading 28 the 28 for 39. You know, he looked okay. Yeah. Uh, you know, no who he's playing. You know, I understand that. But at least he knows the system. So, uh, let's bring in uh, EO11. What was the fi- final uh, vote? Bears fans, which tight end will have the most production? Burton, Shaheen, not Brunecker? Brunecker. He misspells his own name. Ben Brunecker. He misspells his own no, name. No, he definitely doesn't. B-R-A-U-N-E-C-K-E. Oh, yeah, Braun. Brunecker. Like, like, uh, like Brawny. Like Brian the, uh, the uh, paper towels. That guy's bizarre, isn't he? With the flannel shirt rolled mm-hmm, up the and the big jack. square jaw. Yep. Yeah, Brunecker. It scares me. I don't like that guy. <laughs> 
Got about since been going to Costco, I got about 70 pictures of him in the garage <laughs> looking at me every day. There you go. Yeah. Make you feel like less of a man with all those guys well, around. Well, I said, Dana, we don't need any more. I think she likes she looking at more. No, yeah. I think uh-huh. she likes looking uh-huh. at the bloody guy. I think I go with Sparkle, so I don't have that guy. And, and uh, you know, I think a cap all the time. And we didn't mention uh, Brad, uh, uh, Bradley so well. Did you see yeah, that? I saw that. That was now that was our guy, Mark Potash. S-U-H dash well. Yeah. S-U-H. Mark So well. So well. So well. He better be. Yeah. Swell. Yeah, I just want to call him so well. So, by the way, Mark Potash Nice is going to join us next Saturday between nine and noon to break down how to Bears, say so well. The Bears' victory over the Packers. He's also going to have his sometimes top one hundred Bears of all time. Oh, okay. All in Great. One, one shooting match this week on one day. Okay. The Tribune's been doing it one day at a time. Tribune's been doing it since nineteen sixty nine. Well, they've been doing it right now for about uh, ninety four days because yeah. number six all time Bill George. Great, a great thing from the Tribune the other day. It was the last Sunday when they had the uh, full page picture of Steve Mongo McMichael. Uh, what the a picture piece. you see of Mongo is the same picture we see every Sunday morning when he's here for Bears pregame. That's what he looks like. Walking on in with his leather blazer and his uh, his rings on and ready to go. Let me tell you. We'll be doing a postgame. Uh, he and I will be doing the Bears postgame on a Thursday night after the Bears beat the Packers. That, now, uh, so give me that again. I'm sorry. So everyone Thursday knows. night, me and Mongo will break, it down, break down that Bears victory. Nothing like beating the Packers. We'll be talking about it here on ESPN 1000 Thursday night. And you and Mongo, and that'll be most times uh, after. Usually we do preview. Usually we do pregame. Before and after yeah. almost every game, depending on the times. I'm not sure about times. after, yeah, but. Okay. So the piece was written by Dan Wiederer uh-huh. about uh, inside Steve McMichael's weird world. <laughs> and it was like. You know, if anyone still remembers what a newspaper is, it was like three full pages. The full pages yeah. of the Tribune was... I'm, I'm heading to Mongo's in Romeoville where the article was done. I'm heading to Mongo's in Romeoville this week for my fantasy draft. He's, he's, I've only met him once. Or what a great guy. And one of the great, great bears... Dan Wiederer? Yeah, he's a great... A real nice guy. <laughs> Mongo! Mongo you only, okay. One of the great bears of all time. Listen to this. No, he has played more games for the Chicago Bears than any other offensive or defensive player. Yeah, the long played snapper more. played more. Yeah. Okay. A hundred now that's not that's well that's something. But listen to this is even more. Steve McMichael has played hundred and ninety one games for the Bears. No one has played more on either side of the ball, right? Those were all consecutive. Uh-huh. From week seven of eighty one, he never missed a game, till week eighteen of nineteen ninety three. He played every game, and this while having eight knee surgeries. Eight knee surgeries. <laughs> Never missed a game. Unbelievable. Just getting out there each and every game and getting after the quarterback. You know what Steve McMongo says here? He says he thinks now about all the times that he'd stop to sign autographs, crack a few jokes with the fans, spend time... Uh, and then his voice gets quiet. This is Weeder who wrote this this week. But Michael now says the worst, the always, always the worst thing I ever had to do. I would stand out there after training camp, and there'd be thousands of people. They'd bring their kids. They've got them shoved up by the ropes to get autographs. I'd stay as long as I could. But now I'm late for the meeting, or I have to get to dinner. I have to get cleaned up. 
I'd have to leave some of those little kids without an autograph. But Michael pauses, swallows. He continues. That was the worst I've ever felt about myself. Honestly, he shakes his head, exhales and says, it was the worst I ever felt about myself when I left a kid not getting an autograph. Yep. Every well, time I've never heard people say that. No, you don't. Every time we do a show, we do some shows, some uh, remotes before Bears games, or we do some during the course of the year, and people come up, and he takes pictures with everybody. He's It's unbelievably gracious, and I think they're amazed that they see this big guy that played the uh, defensive line for the 85 Bears, and he's just the nicest guy in the world. Can I say this again, Fred? He played more games than anyone in the history of the Chicago Bears that played offense or defense. 191 consecutive games through eight surgeries. He never missed a game. Yep. Pretty amazing. What a guy. Yeah. I'm not a prophet, uh-huh. <laughs> but I think like one. You know what? Eric's got a whole bunch of those. <laughs> I have so many Mongo drops through the years. I don't want to say this in any way other than the way I feel. He's he's very deep. He, he's very thoughtful, and his I, I love the I don't know the Texas accent, Texas drawl. You know, now he's very tough to interview, Fred, and you've, you you and I know Do this it all the time. How, and uh, now he's easier in person, uh, a little behind the radio scenes. Uh, you can tell everyone yeah, why. You never when, he, when he's on the radio, you're never sure when he's done talking. When he's on the phone, yeah. When he's on the phone, you're never sure exactly when he's done. And it's when, easy to like step on him, like I just did to you. When you're sitting here with him, you can you can have a better idea. But even that doesn't. It's not a hundred percent. Yeah. Because he'll he'll he's got a lot to say. And uh, but it's great, and uh, I can't wait for Thursday night to when he's breaking down the Bears' victory. So the uh, cut list is uh, coming through, and uh, it is cut day. Uh, so the uh, practice squad will be named by tomorrow at noon. It's weird too because there's so many cuts going on, and the uh. biggest thing to happen in football today is actually a trade. Seattle has picked up uh, Jadavian Clowney, the defensive lineman. Uh, from Houston in exchange for a third-round pick, a linebacker, and also pass rusher Barkivius Mingo. And uh, so it's a big trade in because uh, they were trying to figure out where Jadavian Clowney was going to go. They wanted to move him to Miami, and Miami, he said, I don't want to go to Miami. <laughs> that don't like go an to old, Miami. That's a punchline to right. an old joke. Yeah, and so he's in, he's in Seattle now, and that makes the Seattle Seahawks a little bit more of a uh, defensive uh, threat. It was actually, I want to go to Miami. Right. <laughs> Do you know that punchline, uh, Eel? No, I do not get the reference. Well, you're not going to hear it right now. Yeah. It's really quite funny. <laughs> it is very funny. I don't think it's embarrassing, but I, I'll let like Cap tell it or someone, okay? <laughs> okay. So, Patrick Finley. Talk, see, the Bears offensive line, it's beautiful right now, Fred. Left to right. And you've said for a long time, never thought Jay Leno would. <laughs> I, I haven't said that in five years. Now I you said, said it. it. Never Charles, thought Charles, Charles Leno and Bobby Massey would be guys you wouldn't be worried about. You can't believe it. No. That you would be saying that it's three amazing. or four years ago. You have, what? I'm going to say what? It's like you've got to replace these guys. And now all of a sudden you can't replace these guys. They've played They've played themselves into positions and they're solid. And now you've got you move over Daniels to center, uh, move Whitehair over to the guard. Kyle you've Long. got Kyle Long, and to me, yeah, I, Bears fans might get mad at me. Go right ahead. Kyle Long to me is the weak link until he proves to me he's healthy and he's ready to go. And it could be 
the strongest position they have, certainly on the offense, even though the wide receivers are loaded. We love our quarterback. The running backs are three deep. That tight end is a big question mark. But that offensive line. Right. But here's the uh, problem. Depth. And last year, no one went down really on the, well, no, Kyle Long did go down. Yeah, yeah. And Larson, Ted Larson, I want Ted to Larson say. Ted Larson is a guy that they had, they let go, and then they brought him back. They still have him. They've brought him back, yeah. Now, is he more, though, of, I think he's more of a left guard, center, right guard? I think he can do. Well, but that's, I think, his yeah. specialty. He's also, they say, the meanest son of a gun on the field, Larson. <laughs> He'd rather just, you know, knock your block off. Got a little Mongo McMichael, Dan Hampton, Bill George, the old guys in him, you know. But... Here's what Patrick Finley says. Uh, that leaves a backup uh, guard, Alex Bars, B-A-R-S, a rookie from Notre Dame. Now, you don't think much about him. He has not come through on the cut list yet, as far as we know. Yeah, he let, I know late in the game in the fourth quarter, he uh, someone got blue past him for a sack. Patrick Finley says, uh, the Bears are in trouble if they start the season with Bars as their backup tackle. However, however, his versatility might make him uh, the eighth offensive lineman, and there are people that say somebody might claim him onto their 53-man. So that offensive line, keep your fingers crossed. Well, think about it. Uh, most teams that have success during the course of the year have an offensive line that's together all year long. Oh, yeah. Mo- usually if your offensive line, if you're losing a guy in your mm-hmm. offensive line or you're losing a couple of guys, you're losing games. And uh, not many teams have depth, quality depth at the offensive line. You'd like to get it, but if the guy's good enough, you're going to try and get him playing. Uh, there's not much offensive line depth, on, I don't think, on any team. I know the Packers over the last couple of years have uh, have struggled quite a bit once their linemen have gone down. The Minnesota Vikings, same thing. When their offensive linemen go down, they struggle. And that's what happens. And uh, hopefully the Bears are in good shape and they won't have any problems this year. This is from about two weeks ago. I've been carrying it around. Uh, again, our, our guy Patrick Finley something. Bears coach Matt Nagy uh, was explaining the name he uses. For players on his team who move around the field on offense. Okay. All right? You know, gadget guy that's demeaning, swing guy. Have you seen this, Fred? I have not. Adjusters. They're adjusters. Yeah, yeah. Not like the insurance adjuster no. that comes and tells you that your $30,000 car has no value, uh-huh. you know? And you, here's a check for a buck. No, adjusters. Bears coach Matt Nagy was explaining, and then in quotes, adjusters. His name for the players on his team who move around the field. Now, Tariq Cohen, but there's a guy that we're, I think no one's talked enough about. Like you say, no one's played. Here's Nagy about two, three weeks ago talking about new acquisition, Cordero Patterson, who is an adjuster. Coach? He's versatile in what he can do. Um, and so we're just trying to figure out what's the best thing for us in this offense uh, to use him. And we don't want to overload him, but uh, anytime he's on the field, the defense has to know where he's at. And when, the more of those type of people you have in your offense, the better you're going to do. Here's Dan Weederer continuing about oh, a week or so ago talking about the uh, running backs. It's the running back room. It's the ability to put Cordero Patterson back there in particular situations and, and turn him loose. This is going to be a different conversation for us than we had all the last year where we were so – uh, just stuck. I, I felt like the, the, the tires were spinning in the mud last year in the conversations we were having about the running game because they didn't have 
the explosiveness in the backfield. They didn't have the versatility in the backfield. They didn't have what Matt wanted to do with his offense. This is going to be a totally different scene this year with what you're able to do with Montgomery, with Mike Davis, with Patterson, uh, to, to turn that loose. So obviously, Tariq Cohen, we haven't talked about Tariq Cohen. This is a guy who is a, a wonderful matchup piece to have on your offense every single week. The a wonderful ad- adjuster. The adjusters. Yeah. How about that? Now, Patrick Finley continued, and uh, uh, Nagy said in retrospect, he said the Bears might have taxed Cohen's preparation too much down the stretch. Quote, we moved Cohen around last year. Well, he's an adjuster. And I feel like there was a time. Now, I hadn't heard this anywhere else. I felt there was a time later in the season, this is Coach Nagy, where we probably gave Tariq Cohen a little bit too much. And when you mentally drain them, meaning any player, it pulls them back physically. I thought it was pretty interesting. If you put too much guys on a too much on a guy's plate, it doesn't just drain him mentally. It can drain him physically. Yeah, what you're, what you're asking him to do is to think too much, and we've <laughs> talked too much about that throughout yeah. the course of the time. Yeah. But also, when you're thinking too much, you're doing different things, you're many different positions, and you not only mentally but physically get exhausted. I've heard about this restaurant for 10 years on this radio station, but it's in Indianapolis. I used to, Nick Friedel and all the guys, oh, I finally made it at St. Elmo's. I started to tell you, yeah. St. Elmo's. E eleven, you've heard of St. Elmo's. They're always talking about when you go to Indianapolis, go to St. Elmo's. You ever heard that? Oh yeah, the oh. cocktail sauce. That's all you're ever told. Oh man, it's like a punch in the nose. But that's not what I was surprised about. Something that they better come to Chicago, to our steakhouses, and learn a little lesson. Back with the Bears, Sox, Cubs, Murph and Fred, ESPN one thousand. Stretch, glad you're with us. Hope you're having a great Labor Day weekend, day one of three. One minute away from some uh, White Sox talk. Unless you worked here, and a lot of people started yesterday. That's a pers- an inside joke. Let the record show that um, Fred said that. Now. Yes, I said that. <laughs> a lot of people started their four, their three day weekend for a four day weekend yesterday. So lovely, Dan and I uh, drove down uh, during the week for a few days uh, to lovely Indianapolis, downtown Indy, beautiful. I love it. Oh. I think it's great. We stopped to visit an old uh, Lions Township High School buddy of ours uh, who lives in Carmel. Not Carmel, nope. same spelling. Carmel. Carmel, yep. about 20 miles, very exclusive. Not even that far. Sub 15, yeah. yeah. Suburb well, of Indianapolis. Yep. Real nice. And uh, on the way down, we stopped for a day in the uh, West Lafayette, uh, Purdue area. Nice little bed and breakfast. We ran into the uh, infamous uh, Tippecanoe uh, Valley by the uh, Wabash River where you lose all your cell phone okay. uh, service. Then, uh, so we I had made reservations because all I ever hear about is St. Elmo's restaurant. St. Elmo's and, uh, in Indianapolis. And you hear from a report like uh, when Jeff Dickerson, you know, had the Bears would be at right. or the, or the, the uh, what are they called? The Combine. combine Thank yeah. you. Or uh, uh, Nikki Friedel, uh, the Pacers, you know. So uh, it was great. It, it is one of the great uh, steakhouses in the United States. And the famous, like uh, Eric, you mentioned, the uh, shrimp cocktail with that, with that sauce. What's that, horseradish they put in there? Yeah. And uh, the waiter said... Seafood sauce, whatever. Yeah. yeah. And the waiter said, can you take a hot... I said hot. He said, okay, when you when you put it in your mind, he says, the first five seconds can feel like you got punched in the nose, and within about 10 seconds, it'll all dissipate. Boom, man. And then it was fun. But here's what I couldn't believe. 
because Chicago has the best steakhouses. So I ordered my, you know, once a week uh, a beef eater gin martini, uh-huh. a little splash of vermouth. Oh, so it's got nothing to do with steak. No. Okay. And the uh, and two or three, some uh, blue cheese olives. The olives, come, the blue cheese stuffed. Yeah. And they're they're the size of your little fingers fingernail. Uh huh. The baby tiny little olives, and it's such a a, a buzzkill. But then I'm thinking maybe the whole, maybe New York and L.A., maybe everywhere you go, maybe it's only Chicago where when you order a martini, and you, ask for, you get the big-ass crown, giant, whatever they're called, queen, Allen. So I didn't want to hold it against St. Elmo's, but uh-huh. anywhere you go in Chicago, any of our great steakhouses, you're, when you get olive, they're big and plump. Okay. You, you guys don't sound like guys that ever have had an olive in your drink because you're not chiming in. I was a bartender for a while. I had to stuff the olives. It's a real pain. It's the worst. Stuffing was a major pain. But yeah, other than that, I, you know, and I want to eat a few also. So I figure I'm stuffing them. I might uh, as well eat a few. I'm a sucker for blue cheese. So, uh, EO11, uh, our Twitter poll question your Labor Day backyard favorite. And the votes are in. Was it bratwurst? Was it burgers? Was it hot dogs or was it steaks? I'm voting bratwurst because you know what? Who doesn't love a steak but at a steakhouse and burgers and but nothing, nothing steak like would, a Steak would have been last on my list. Brats probably would have been number one. Yeah, as long as you've got some great Dusseldorf German mustard. Did you vote, Eric? I would vote. So steaks would be my pick, but right. I don't normally get steaks on Labor Day. That's right. not something you normally see. So I would go burgers would be my top pick. And a big one-inch-thick hunk sliced of a juicy backyard tomato. I like nothing on my burger. Really? No, no, no tomato. Nothing that's healthy. No tomato, no lettuce. Well, no onion, none of that Fred's stuff. smiling now, but now we're going to talk White Sox baseball, Fred. And I'll smile some more because I, I have... I'm a visionary. I can see the future. Let's the future go. looks bright. They're an existentialist. Let's I don't know. I can't spell that. I don't know what the hell that is. Let's go to Ryan McGuffey over at NBC Sports Chicago White Sox Talk Podcast. Hey, Ryan. Ryan doesn't think I'm a Ryan doesn't think I'm a looking ahead to the future because I was criticizing <laughs> Dylan Colby this week. Not Dylan Colby. Oh my God, that's like a that's a bad nightmare. Good to be with you, boys. You got forget the White Sox. You got me all. You're talking all about Hoosier State. I'm a Hoosier born and bred, man. So you got me all reminiscent in Indiana again before we talk White Sox. Yeah, Dylan C. So how can, how can I say <laughs> Dylan Covey ever again? So. Yeah, Dylan Covey, that, that, that's a nightmare. Yeah, yeah. Hey, uh, fellas, and I'll step aside, uh, uh, Cub fan Murph, but now I'm surrounded by two great guys going to talk some socks. But two of our Twitter polls are in action right now. EO11, what the White Sox fans vote for? Uh, White Sox fans, when should Rick Hahn call up Louis Robert? And some of these numbers, fellas, he might have the best minor league numbers they're saying uh, since 1988. That's as far back as they could go. Uh, he's got 30 doubles, 30 homers, 10 triples, hitting 330, 90 ribbies. What the fans say, he said they should bring him up tomorrow, meaning when the 40-man roster opening day or mid-April, Eric. The winner with 43% of the votes say they should bring him up tomorrow. Are they bringing him up tomorrow, Ryan? I would, too. But uh, uh, we're not. I, I'm with the fans today. I'm with the fans today on that one. I, I would, and I think forget the service time stuff. And I know it's a big part of all of this discussion. But 
I look at it this way. You've learned from the guys you have brought up. Like, look at Eloy and, and what happened in, in April and the, and the learning curve and the struggles he's had right out of the gate facing, you know, 100 sliders before he saw a fastball. Let Luis Robert come up, have 25 games under his belt. Even if he hits 050, at least all of that stuff that you can't, you know, necessarily develop at the minor leagues, meaning what it's like to be at the big league level, those jitters, uh, you know, what the, what travel's like, what the expectations are like up here, and then how people are going to pitch him up here. And then when he comes back next off or in the spring training and then into March next year when opening day is, all of that stuff is behind him. And he at least has 100 ABs on film that other teams can know how to look at him. He can adjust in the offseason what the expectations are here. And then you're starting the season moving forward. Luis Robert, no questions asked. Yeah, I'm saying that he he could come, he could come up here and hit 400. Who knows? But honestly, like I, I think if he is your guy on opening day in 2020, let's get it now. Let's start the clock. I I, I personally just me talking. I'm kind of I'm sick of talking about six or seven years from now. Uh, Ryan, you guys did a great job earlier. It was either a week ago or last week when you, on the uh, White Sox Talk podcast, you talked a lot about this with all the guys, um, you know, and you were breaking it down. A great podcast. People should go back and listen to it. I listened to the Yvonne Nova just the other day. Um, but you look at it and think about it. With There was a lot of talk when Eloy wasn't coming up and, you know, Rick Hahn was saying, well, he still needs to work on defense and other things like that. I would think that every White Sox fan realizes that Rick Hahn wasn't kidding. Uh, Eloy does have to work on defense. Uh, in your opinion, when Eloy, let's look two years down the road, is Eloy your DH or your left fielder? I would. I mean, it's hard. Right now, it's, it's a, it, you're right. I mean, Rick Hahn clearly was right about needing work on defense. I would try to keep... Eloy as your left fielder because I just don't think you want to go forward saying we have a 23 or 24 year old DH. I think you'd like to keep him in the field unless he's a true liability. You know, I think a year from now you're going to know about Eloy Jimenez as a left fielder. Is he or isn't he? And I think from there you make your decision going probably into 2021. But right now, I, I, I have, like, when you start set my lineups and set your lineup, I would plug Eloy in left field and just hopefully. All of that stuff's behind him. I just worry about every time you don't want him to do too much in left field. And, you know, th- that's not an effort thing. It's more of you need his bat in your lineup every day going forward to 30 to 35, 40 home runs. Yep. And him trying to make a diving catch in left field, quite frankly, it's not as important as him in the bat- him in the batter's box every day. Yeah, there's, I, I, he has a problem too, and he's going to learn it like everybody else will, where to throw the ball, when to throw the ball, always to get the ball in quickly. Little things that, you know, obviously we're all older than he is, uh, that we've watched enough baseball that we know get the ball in quickly, do this, don't throw home, throw to third, hit the cutoff, man. Little things that he's going to have to learn on and learn them quickly. But if you're going to put him in left field, then the question does come up. I mean, I, I saw in the uh, paper today, Rick Renteria has used 11 designated hitters this year. The Sox DH is a slash line of 183, 265, 305. So if the American League has a DH, the White Sox should at least find a guy that could fill that spot, shouldn't they? Yeah, it's a definite hole. I mean, there's no doubt about it. It's it's really brutal. That that, that slash line. It's just it, every you know I've seen that slash line, and then to hear it. You know, it's almost like it's not real life, but 
it's definitely one of the holes that they have to fill in going forward. And, and, and I mean, in 2020, it's one of the things they have to look at. Even if you bring Jose Abreu back, you're bringing him back primarily as your first baseman. You do have a hole at DH. I think you have a hole in right field. And then you have some holes in your rotation. And clearly a frontline type guy. I would personally sign or acquire two uh, pitchers for 2020 and probably a bullpen arm. So how you want to prioritize those. But DH, absolutely. Look, they've been trying to fix this DH hole really since Jim Tomey's been gone. And it just, for whatever reason, it's just been a struggle. You know, Adam Dunn was a bust. And Yonder Alonso didn't work out this year. And all the plug-and-play type guys along the way that they've tried, they just haven't worked. I don't know why that is, but it is a hole going forward. And Jose Abreu, it's just, you can't just say he's going to move to DH. I think it's fair a year, maybe a year or two, if you sign him to a two- or three-year deal, that you do expect maybe that last year of the deal that he could be that DH-type guy because you're going to have Andrew Vaughn pushing hard right behind him. Zach Collins is probably going to get a little bit of work to spell him a catcher at first base in 2020 and beyond. So I think there are going to be ways to get Jose Abreu into that DH slot. I just think you need to have somebody that you can depend on that has had success in that role. You know, Yonder Alonso was acquired. I think he had played like four or five games as a DH. You don't want a guy, you don't want to bring a guy in here and tell him he's going to be DH if he's not comfortable doing it. You got to have a guy who's shown that he can be successful in that role. Yeah, good point. Uh, White Sox expert Ryan McGuffey, MEC Sports Chicago White Sox Talk podcast. <clears throat> Ryan, uh, one more, and we'll spring you on your busy day. Appreciate your time. Uh, you mentioned about four or five minutes ago. Uh, I'm sick and tired. I think instead of waiting or the, you know, the window or the seven years, uh, not to put words in your mouth, that was sort of your angle. We have a soundbite. I think you'll, uh, you guys want to hear. This is Jeff Passan, uh, baseball expert, comes on our sh- uh, station once a week or so. And Jeff Passan was talking about a White Sox question, uh, but also in general. And here's his thoughts, Fred and Ryan. Here's his thoughts, and he was sort of talking White Sox uh, about windows, the window of opportunity. This idea of of windows has has clouded our minds a little bit when it comes to winning. I, I just feel like if you have any chance to win, take the damn opportunity. I know that's easy to say, but it's a philosophy uh, of Jeff Passons, but he says the windows has clouded uh, the way we sometimes, you know, teams might think or fans. Is, is that sort of what you were directing towards a, a few minutes ago when you said you're sick and tired of uh, waiting, basically, you were saying? Amen. I mean, I, I totally agree with Jeff. And you know, look, I mean, if you're worried about starting Luis Roberts' clock, you have three guys whose clocks have started. You know, Yoel Mankata's clock is off and running. We're in the middle of his window, so to speak, if we're going to talk about windows. I know they're going to try to it wouldn't surprise me if they locked up one, if not two guys in the offseason to like a, a team friendly deal that made sense to both, you know, like a Moncada, a Giolito, um, guys that they've had success. The White Sox have had great success in doing that. You've seen with Eloy, Tim Anderson, and some of the guys that they traded, you know, to get some of this talent in the Quintanas and the Iamedans, the Chris Sales even. Yep. So I wouldn't be surprised to see that. But yes, I, I think at this point now you have enough guys that, have, that are at the major league level with guys that are right on the cusp of being at the major league level that you are projecting to be in your lineup every day for five or six years, that it's time to hit the start button. And 
you need to go out and, and, and supplement your starters that you've learned about in the Giolitos and, and, and some of the guys you still don't know about, the growing pains of, you know, the Ceases and the, and the Lopez's and, and Kopech will be coming back. I think you need a guy who's a dependable every day, every fifth day guy uh, in that, yeah, I'd love to. Trust me, if it, were, if it were me and money wasn't an issue, I'd Garrett Cole is the prize gem of the class. He's probably going to be priced out of the White Sox market. I think somebody like Dallas Keuchel makes a lot of sense. You need a guy that has had success and just can get the ball every fifth day, kind of that John Lester type, and that fills a void. And look, I would, I would bring back a guy like Ivan Nova and Ivan Nova type and pay him the type of money he would get on the open market and, and have six pitchers at the start, at start of spring training that are vying for five spots. Kopech's spot, that way you can ease Kopech along. And then, look, this year you've learned a lot about depth and, and your rotation. So I would supplement that with two guys. And then, yes, Fred, like, you have an opportunity. The AL Central is an opportunity. You have two really good teams there right now. But if we're talking about windows, the Indians' window is not necessarily closing anymore because of the deals they've made right. this year for this year's team and the next two years going forward. So they're trying to, instead of everybody's talking about trading Francisco Lindor, I think they're capitalizing on the two years left they have with him. So that's a team that made a, like, that made a surprise deal because, you know, you're thinking they're going to be, their window's closing and then it's just going to be a baton handoff. And it's just not true. You have an opportunity, you have talent, it's time to go. Let's go. Great stuff, eh, Ryan? We got a blast off. Appreciate your time. Enjoy your weekend. Thank you very much. Talk to you soon, Ryan. Oh, all right, guys. Anytime. <laughs> all right. Take care. I tell you, that could be a whole show. Maybe, uh, you know, next week or two, Fred. The window. It's a convenient out yeah. for a lot of teams. Oh, the window. We're not in the window yet. I, I, I like passing Zangle. Well, here's the question. Do you... Uh, do, do you do you go after Anthony Rendon to play third base? Or now Ooh. that you've got Yohan Moncada and he's got a position, do you say, mm. well, can Rendon play first? Well, let's – and also – That's one of the best defensive players in the league. And it doesn't matter how big the checkbook is. You still have to have the player agree to come. So yeah. Jerry Reinsdorf and Han, they have to do both. They have to open up the checkbook and find guys that, you know, want to come here he, and he, – he brought up an interesting point, yeah. and I want Sox fans to realize this and listen. Garrett Cole is going to be outside of the White Sox money because Garrett Cole is going to get stupid money, and the White Sox aren't going to give stupid money. Back they probably flash. should. Final results of our uh, Twitter poll got some Bears, Cubs, and Sox angles still to hit in the final minutes. Murph and Freddie, SPN 1000. Quick, EO 11, the Labor Day backyard favorite. What the fans vote for? Bro- the fans Brothers voted burger, for... Hot dog or steaks? Scrolling, scrolling. I had the wrong pod. Uh, and you could have played scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. scrolling. <laughs> yes. Rawhide. At the bottom, 10% hot dogs, 21% steak, and a virtual tie, 35% to 34% between bur- burgers and bratwurst. Good, I'll take them both. Yeah, burgers and brats. Um... <laughs> uh, I see. I, I, steaks would have been my, my bottom one. Sauerkraut on the brat that tips it in. Want to thank our guest, Jesse Rogers, Dr. Corey Franklin, up in Wilmette. He was there in the 69 days. And uh, Ryan McGuffey, NBC Sports Chicago, White Sox Talk Podcast. Don't go anywhere. Chicago's College Tailgate coming up right now. It'll be uh, Hood and Black and Abdallah. They're with you. I'll be back with you tomorrow morning at 9. Murph and Fred saying thanks for listening. Thanks for calling. See you later, everybody.